1: Time. you can check
0: your iPhone. better stay time I don't even need to watch uh-huh. I don't even see a clock. Uh-huh. soon as I walk in it Ooh, like,
2: welcome yeah. ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the NXT rundown my name is Jason and we are not taping shows in advance like NXT will be doing in the near future but we do have the same crew back last week that we have this week so please join me in welcoming my first co-host this week back once again John's riding with us what's going on John I've been sitting here this entire time. Haven't moved a fucking muscle. In fact, that's where you sitting. <laughs> that's where you're. Uh, he's eating, sleeping, and shitting in the same spot.
3: Yeah, it's it's fucking gross in here.
2: He's actually testing the theory that you don't shit where you eat. He's 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 just fucking doing it. Sal, how about you? How are you shitting, buddy?
1: I'm shitting pretty good. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Not right now, but I'm shitting pretty okay, good,
2: good. You know, good. What's going on, buddy? Anything, anything special going? Um, on?
1: Uh, well. For the first time in probably about, God, 20 fucking years, uh, I'm going to go watch a pay-per-view at a small venue, like a WWE pay-per-view. It used to be good times. Um, but now they're actually going to show SummerSlam at the Woburn Showcase Cinemas.
2: Yes, they are bringing that back for this.
1: So a couple of me and a couple guys I know, we got tickets, and I'll be that's where I'll be watching SummerSlam this Saturday night. Huh. Interesting. So that's... I haven't done something Like, they used to have the pay-per-views every month at yeah. good time. You like, four bucks, oh, and yeah. you went in there and watched it with, like, 50 or 60 people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it was fun, because you get to hear, like, everybody's reaction without actually having to travel to fucking Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, this should be interesting, so yeah, well,
2: I'm looking forward to it. That's cool. John, anything going on with you? Uh,
3: nothing in particular, no. I, uh... Just, just working, mostly, and, uh injuring myself on Tuesday so we had to push the WWE run back run down back because I just fell asleep early there you go uh because I uh hit my head on something and then I was just like I'm just gonna fucking go to bed and try this again tomorrow and uh then yesterday I felt fine so it was at least not like egregiously bad whatever
2: you know as long as it doesn't change who you are, John, because as we discovered last week, John and Matt Hardy have something in common. They're both hitting it raw. Anyway, um <laughs> Sal doesn't remember the joke from last week.
1: Anyway, I do remember the joke. No, but I was just thinking John and Matt Hardy have something else in common if he hit his head and then he fell sleeping. There you go.
2: Fair point. <laughs> um, so <laughs> follow-up to my fairly recent uh, KFC story. So uh, the other day, same KFC. We stopped by, no line, we went to pick up dinner. I'm like, alright, cool, we'll grab dinner while we're there. We pull up to the uh, we pull up to the speaker, and now this KFC, which if you remember last time I was there, had no chicken patties. That was the thing. So couldn't get a chicken sandwich, no chicken patties. Now we pull up and I'm getting ready to order and I roll down my window and I look over at the speaker and there's a sign on the speaker that says no patties, no fries, no biscuits. Oh, Jesus. So why even fucking open a KFC at this point?
1: Okay, I gotta I gotta ask you. Are you going there at like 3.30 in the
2: morning No, or Is this like a 24-hour no! KFC? This is lunchtime, like 12, 1 o'clock. This particular Jesus story Christ. was like 6 o'clock at night. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Uh, it's, it's a point of infuriation at this point now. It's like... <laughs>
1: I, Dude, out of pure curiosity, I'd ask for a manager. I just want to pull. I'd be like, "You need to tell me why you don't have chicken. Yeah, I'm just gonna Is pull
2: it, up one day and I'll be like, "All right, just do me a favor. I'm I'm gonna save us both some time. Just tell me what you do have that I can order from."
1: We <laughs> <You> have <hamburgers>. <laughs> <laughs> We got some old hot dogs oh that've been on the grill God. for a couple hours. It's just fucking
3: <laughs> awful. It's, it's just the instant mashed potatoes. Right? That's it. Yeah. That's it.
2: I uh, I did go this week and catch my first Woo Sox game. So the uh, the minor league Red Sox team moved to Worcester this year. So I uh, I caught the first game I've ever had at that stadium, which is pretty cool actually, and I dug nice. it. I dug it. The food was pretty mediocre, uh, expensive, and but uh, the the park is beautiful. Uh, they did a great job with that. The ambiance was was cool, uh, and they ended up winning. So okay. And I'm the good luck guy because uh, so Connor Wong, who's a catching prospect for the Red Sox, steps to the plate, right? Takes the first yep. pitch and then it was a ball. Next pitch, I I yelled, "Connor Wong hit a dong!" Next fucking pitch hits one over the fence. <laughs> I take credit. It had nothing to do with Connor Wong. It was all me. Yep. So there it I is. Take credit for that one. You said it was expensive, right? Uh, no, like, actually, no, no it wasn't expensive at all. Like, I will first off. No, I, you
1: said the food was expensive. The right?
2: food was, I mean, for it wasn't expensive. Like, what are like. we talking?
1: Are we talking like ten dollars so, a hot dog type of thing? So I
2: got two Italian sausages, two fries, two sodas, and a popcorn. It was like forty-one bucks. So it's not, it's not obscenely yeah, bad, that's, but that's it's not as bad as. Family, no, it's but, not. Yeah. It's definitely not. But it is a little pricey. <laughs> a little pricier parking was only 17 bucks which was an improvement off like a mm-hmm. red sox game so have you ever used like those when you go like a red sox game or a sporting event on you, you those like parking apps where you can find spots they're like see to me like i will absolutely pay 50 to 60 bucks for a parking spot if it's like right across the street from the park and i know i can get right the fuck out and I, oh, sure, sure. I don't have to hop on a subway train. I don't have to walk three miles. I, like there are a bunch of these apps now where they rent out spaces, parking lots from my uh, buildings and apartments and all that shit. And you just pay 60 bucks on the app. They scan it when you get there and fucking boom in and out. It's fantastic.
3: The last time I was at the Pepsi Center, which is where the Nuggets play. Yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't there. For, I don't think that was for a Nuggets game, but like I was there for a concert or something. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I just, instead of like dealing with their parking situation, which is always a fucking mess. Yeah. I was just like, it's pretty close to like, uh, the university of uh, Colorado at Denver campus. Okay. And I just parked on, uh, parked on like a side street in the campus housing and hoped that I didn't get a ticket. Oh, I used and to I that. didn't. So, you know,
1: mm, I used to do that until I got my car towed one day. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, I was, It was a little bit of a different situation. I was working security um, back in the early 2000s, and it was a Boston College football game. And they didn't provide any free parking for any of the security staff, so I didn't want to pay. So I parked, like, fucking almost like a half a mile away in just some residential neighborhood. And when I got back to my car, it was towed. Oh, Oh, fuck.
2: Fuck. We used to do it. But
1: I had done it, like, six times, too. So, like, I figured at one of those points I was going to get caught.
2: So, up until COVID, like, three, four years in a row, we had done the El Mundo Festival. We did a wrestling show at Fenway Park, um, which was always a – it was great. We always had great reactions, great response, great feedback. Uh, The boys and girls ripped ripped the fucking place up. Uh, It was great. Uh, it, for production staff, for people working the show, it was a long fucking day. Um, cause you're talking about we were running the entire festival, which was essentially like 11 a.m. until like 4 p.m. We had, we went straight through the whole time. Um, and meanwhile, I'm running back and forth to the locker room, which is literally like on the other side of Fenway Park, so I'm running back and forth the whole time. Anyway, um, but part of this is like, so first year I do it, like, I'm like, so where, where am I supposed to park? And they're like, oh, just park on the street. <laughs> like, in Boston? Near Fenway Park? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just park like across the street. It's fine. I'm pretty sure it's not. But uh, but <laughs> it, it, because the event is always held on a Sunday, the parking restrictions in Boston are much looser. So I actually found a spot that's not too far away, very close to walking distance, and uh, has some spots open and nice and easy, and I've parked the same spot every time I've been there. So...
1: There you yeah. go. I've gotten so fed up with parking and sporting events in general that if anybody offers me tickets to a Pats game, because I'm not spending money on tickets to a Pats game at this point, it's way too fucking much. But if anybody wants to like give me tickets, um, I'll take the train.
2: Yeah. The problem from the, South
1: Station so, into fucking Foxborough. So
2: the problem with the Pats game is that basically. They got like that one road that goes in and out of fucking Foxborough. So mm-hmm. you are going to sit in traffic for like 4 hours just to get out of there.
1: But that one road that that connects the, Providence the problem, North. Yeah. Worcester like The
2: problem with taking the train to any of these events is sort of like when you get out of the Red Sox game and you go over to the Green Line, which is, I know people who are not from Massachusetts are like, what the fuck are these assholes talking about? Um, But when you cross (laughs) the street from Fenway Park, they have a subway, and it's called the Green Line. They're like, oh, I'm just going to take the train. What you don't factor in is you're going to wait seven, eight, nine trains before you can finally get on one because everybody and their mother is trying to get on these trains that don't hold that many people. So...
1: Fenway, yes. At Foxboro, it's not the case. Okay. Because they got the commuter rail and that, and they they
2: know. Yeah, but Game, that also runs less frequently, so if you miss the first one...
1: Oh, if you miss it, forget yeah. it. You need to leave as soon right. as the game's over because if you miss that, you're there for three right. hours.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, like, uh, that the stories of the fans trying to leave um, MetLife Stadium after WrestleMania 35. The nightmare and horror stories that people ran into there. <laughs> Especially Maria Canales's family. They actually had to like oh. <laughs> wait five minutes for their Oh
1: my god for
2: their limo to pick them up and take them back to their hotel. Unacceptable. Unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. Uh all right. So enough about us assholes. Let's talk about some other assholes. Let's start at the news desk. And let's talk about the assholes that spent the week trying to convince the world that one of the major matches for SummerSlam in the form of the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair was in jeopardy. These two women apparently unable to perform on Saturday and Sunday for no no reason was given, but in this day and age, of course, People jumped to the conclusion that oh my god, it was COVID. They they've got COVID. Blah blah blah. To the extent that Brian Alvarez, that fucking twat, goes on his radio show and says, well now I'm worried about the SmackDown. I'm worried about a bunch of these matches, and and even even idiot Meltzer was like, what do you mean a bunch of these matches? Well, think about it. You got you got two other women who are in there, and one of them's married to a, one of the tag team champions. So now that match isn't even Meltzer's like, who's married to the tag team champions? He's like, well, Bianca's married to Montez Ford. You fucking cunt. You don't even watch the show enough to know that they're not the tag champs and haven't been for, what, eight months now? This is the guy you... And again, I go back to this all the fucking time. This is the guy you fans are paying money to hear their opinion. Doesn't even know who the champions are. But... Uses it as a platform to bitch about it, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track. Uh, so it seems like it's been announced that Banks and Bel be- be- Banks and Bianca Belair are cleared to perform, and unless something unforeseen happens, they will be performing at Summerslam this year. Um, so that's good. I'm looking forward to that. It's one of the matches I am looking forward to seeing. I mean, I would like to see a different match than I've already seen, but I know these two are going to bring it, so I'm perfectly okay watching that again. Um, Either of you guys got any thoughts on this story? When I first
1: heard it, I thought maybe, you know, maybe Sasha tweaked an ankle Mm -hmm. or or maybe Bianca, uh, you know, just something very minor. Like, I didn't think it was going to be anything, like, serious, but why put them... And the house shows, if she did tweak something, because you've got, you got SummerSlam coming up, you're not going to fucking risk that. So yeah, pull them off That Didn't seem like a big deal to me. Right? Like, I, I figured uh, closer to big pay-per-views, stars are going to get scratched from house shows all the time. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I honestly figured just protect the main event, like, minor tweaks, something like that, because if it were what people were speculating, you'd think there would have been more smoke with, like, they weren't the only people in that segment and you feel like you would have heard, I don't know, something (laughs) about like Zelina and uh, Carmela, if it were like, right. I felt like that was Alvarez's implication was that it was COVID related for no reason other than like, you know, because he can speculate,
1: I guess, just to drum up
2: shit. I guess. Yeah. Like, it's pretty much what they do.
1: So like, a year ago i i kind of understood everybody doing that yeah. where they were just like covid covid everybody's got covid right. um but now that we're you know a more vaccinated society more not
2: well well before you say that keep in mind the places that most of these companies are running texas florida oh, yeah, the yeah, areas yeah. of least <laughs> vaccinations. so
1: no that's true that's true but what i'm saying is like for anybody just to assume COVID, that's not that's not fair. You know what I mean? Like it's, at I mean, this point, it's, you it's, can't.
2: It is sort of a byproduct of the world we're living in right now. It's like as soon as somebody is canceled or pulled from a show, that's the first thing people say. And we've been guilty of it on this show too, so we can't really throw stones about it. But um, I was more I was more annoyed at the fact that the guys out here talking about tag champs that don't hold the belt, that haven't held the belts in quite a while. <laughs> Dude, when you <laughs> said tag champs, I was like. Naomi wasn't in right. that segment, was right. she? <laughs> Which is the other thing. Is it sort of racist? A little bit. Because <laughs> Alvarez is like, did he mix up Bianca Belair and Naomi because they're both just black women? Maybe. <laughs>
1: Quite the possibility. So, I
2: don't know. Um, anyway, in other news, uh, Lacey Evans took a train ride with Ric Flair this week, but uh, you can check more on uh. that on Twitter. <laughs> uh <laughs> well
1: done sir well done (laughs) uh
2: so we've speculated on these very rundown wrestling network shows of the possibility of a wwe potentially setting up to sell the company so for the first time that i can think of it uh or that i remember hearing about it uh recode media's peter kafka uh, sat down with WWE's newest president, Nick Kahn, and asked about the possibility of a sale. And here's what Kahn said. He said, well, look, we're open for business on anything and everything. And even some of the business plans that we've announced recently, I think, are different or unique to what the company has traditionally done. So we're open for business. If somebody calls, we'll listen. But we're not active. We're not out there in the marketplace trying to change that structure. That's the stats. I grew up listening to people talk about they're going to sell the company. Every time that story would come out, Vince McMahon would basically sell, fuck no, we are never selling this company. This was not that. This was not a (laughs) denial at all. And this reminded me of when GMs are talking about trading their superstar players and they don't want to acknowledge in the media. It's like, we're not making any calls on the guy. Now, other teams are calling us, and we'll listen, but we're not because they don't want to piss off the guy in case the deal doesn't go through. That's what this sounds a lot like to me, Sal. Uh,
1: no, it does. Um, I'll take it one step further. When, when a team gets sold, and, <laughs> and, and ownership up to that point denies it, right. and denies it, and denies it until until like a month before they announce the sale, they're like, well, I mean, we'd be open to hearing something. Right. And you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, my team's getting moved out of here. <laughs> um, what is Nick Khan's official position? President. Is he. Is, he's president. Okay. Vince is the owner. Yes. He's the
2: president. Vince is the CEO. <sighs> All
1: right. Follow-up question: How do you feel about WWE headquarters being moved to Radai? Uh, Riyadh, R- Saudi Arabia. Riyadh? Yes.
2: R- Riyadh. Say it with me.
1: Riyadh. Okay, there you go. Wasn't there another place too? They they ran out of in Saudi Arabia, not Jerusalem. It began with a J. Um, You're going to get so death threats right after now. this
2: episode. Yeah, yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> uh, no, what was that stadium in, in Saudi Arabia that they used to run out of? Uh, Jeddah. It began became... Jeddah, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Maybe that's where they. Dude, if anybody's got the money to buy the company, the Prince of Saudi Arabia probably does. Sure. And Vince would be like, "Well, you're offering me how much?" So,
2: <laughs> but he would ask for the contracts of Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and the Ultimate Warrior to come with the deal. So, <laughs> well,
1: I mean, he can have those and contracts. Yokozuna.
2: <laughs> that was my favorite thing when they had the bootleg Yokozuna came out because the Prince wanted to see Yokozuna. <laughs> Imagine like having your
3: choice of any wrestler and choosing Yokozuna.
2: I, I I'm not here for Yokozuna slander. I liked Yoko.
1: I am too. Uh, I mean, I did too, but
3: as as your as
1: your number one wrestler that you would want to see, he was. Yeah, but it it depends on when you grew up, right? Like if you were a kid when he was champ, that might be your big deal.
2: And he was the inspiration to a bunch. He got the Undertaker. He was an inspiration to a bunch of fat kids around the world, John. Fair enough. So, all right, uh, guys. Anything else on potential sale of the WWE? Yeah, dude, I said it last week. I don't want this to be NBC WWE. Uh-uh. I, you say that, but I'm getting tired of it yeah. being this, too. Yeah,
1: um, I, I was going to say,
2: honestly... Could it be worse? Shit? Let's see a shake-up. Let, let's say... See, my, okay, so let's say... You, so stop. Hold on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll let you get to that, but let me say... So let's say, for the sake of argument, they sell the company. And yeah. in order to keep some continuity, they say, okay, we're going to we're gonna, we gonna, get new ownership, but... We are going to. We don't know anything about running a wrestling business. We are going to put uh, Paul Levesque in charge of the day-to-day operations of WWE. Do you feel better about the the direction of the company, regardless of who owns it, because of the person oh, running it has changed a little bit? Okay, a little bit. If they give him full creative
1: control, then yes, I do. Okay. So then let's if- let's see what happens. That's what I'm saying if they act like any other corporation in America and they're like, everything has to be run by us first, then...
2: But that's, that's everywhere, dude. Right now, it's, it's, the, same, right? it's the same thing now, that? except the person passing the final judgment is the senile 70-year-old man. <laughs> Board of directors in an entertainment company. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You think Vince goes, you know what? I want to do an angle where I'm the father of Stephanie's child. And he goes to the board of directors and says, listen, board, I'm thinking of doing an angle where I fucked my daughter and got her pregnant. What do you guys think? No, they don't want to fucking hear that shit. They want to see their checks roll in. They want to make sure the company's as profitable as it can be. They don't give a shit about storylines and directions. That's not what a board of directors does.
1: Oh, but they care about sponsorship. Sure. and
2: And if it's anything controversial... Like that's as, that's as as, up- as shit as the creative has been for the last what, 2 3 years in this company. If they haven't pulled the plug yet, what makes you think they're going to do anything that's going to make them pull the plug?
1: That is fair. I had brought up time Warner AOL when they when they purchased WCW, right? And the whole company directions just changed. Like every all, none of the wrestling guys were in charge anymore and like y- you saw that company go down the drain very, very quickly in 1999. Yeah. And a lot of people who came out of that were like, once AOL bought the company, it was just another property of AOL at that point.
2: You're you're oversimplifying that situation now. Probably. You also have to remember, at that point, that company – was flush with no cut contracts for ridiculous sums of money off guys who didn't want to work, didn't want to do jobs, they were still paying Hulk Hogan who was no longer working with the company. I mean, you saw how many of those guys sat at home for two years to pay off the rest of those contracts and didn't want to go back to work. So didn't have to they still so those there were a lot of reasons that company went under and I don't necessarily know it was the people who took it over as much as it was the people who were uh, the business decisions that were made previ- under the previous regime. Sure. So, all right, John, anything else on this before we uh, move on? I, I'm I'm more or less
3: in of the same mind as you, where I'm like, how much worse could it get? So let's <laughs> like, if it happens, I let's hope it shakes out better. Like you know, all
2: right. Matt Matt Riddle has uh, AR pigeons that fly out of his feet during his ring entrance. Are we going to get really any worse at this point, Sal? (laughs) Probably
1: not. Although, I I gotta admit, though, just saying out loud a world that exists where the McMahons don't own the WWE is so
2: fucking weird. I know.
1: know. Like, I always thought Vince would fucking just hang him up at some point, but... You know, for for the past twenty years, I've been conditioned to think Stephanie and Triple H are taking over.
2: Imagine if Shad Khan bought him.
1: He could. He's got, He's the, got money. the fucking money. Yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. He's
1: got the fucking money, dude. What do you, you think? Troy would jump off a bridge at that
2: point. Can you imagine if like <laughs> it's like the reverse of the end of the Monday Night Wars, where your competition buys the WWE this time around.
1: And Vince is like, "Fuck you! Look at all I mean, this."
2: And, money. and, I and got here's it. the interesting part: is like, I think Vince is turning like seventy-eight very soon, I believe. Um, who do you think is next in line? There's always speculation. Who do you think is running this company if something were to happen to Vince tomorrow?
1: Because I, I don't, get hit I, by I don't think it I,
2: people jump to the conclusion that Triple H is going to take. I, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think. Given what we're hearing about how all these decisions are being made to NXT without even consulting Hunter, I don't believe that he's he Vince sees him as his uh, his his the person's going to follow him. Um, Stephanie maybe from a business perspective, but I, I that was I don't the know.
1: thing that was it because it was both of them that was always the key. Right. Stephanie with the business. Triple H would run the day-to-day. And she's done
2: what she's needed to do. Her role has expanded significantly over the last
1: decade. Um, Shane's interest has varied. Shane's working on another company now. So, I don't think it goes to him. I
2: don't think it was ever going to him. I think that was part of the reason he left in the first place. What if, what if,
1: Vince has it set up like, should I be struck by lightning? You know, control goes to a combination of, like, Bruce Pritchard, Nick Khan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, his business, his business in a circle as opposed to his family.
2: I don't know. Can, which sort of brings up the, po- the other point that I don't think we've talked about enough. I feel like from a talent perspective, from all these releases, from an in-ring perspective, everything has really sort of gone to shit since Johnny Ace went back in charge of personnel
1: well it was a combination it was Johnny Ace and Nick Khan getting complete control
2: but Nick Khan is I mean look let's be honest Nick Khan is not likely the guy watching the week to week shows my guess is he's going to Johnny Ace and going listen who doesn't fit what we want who's the guy who are the men and women we should be cutting and Johnny Ace is like well
1: um... (laughs) Johnny Ace Ace is doing exactly what Punk accused him of doing 10 years ago pretty much yeah, it wouldn't shock
2: me. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that plays out, but it is definitely interesting. Uh, and speaking of things that are interesting, uh, tomorrow, as we record this on Thursday, you'll probably be listening to it on Friday, so we'll say tonight, uh, AEW Dynamite, the first dance, the second edition of Rampage, which they're calling the first dance, um, emanates from the United <laughs> Center in Chicago. Obviously, we all know the speculation. We've all heard the rumors um, Somebody else who's heard the rumors would be one, Roman Reigns. Uh, he was a guest on Ariel Hawani's podcast today, and he was asked about the the possibility of CM Punk um, coming in and, and how he felt Punk would mesh, given that he was very frustrated in his last run with the company with part-timers coming in and sort of taking the main event spots. Uh, and potentially him now doing so in AEW. Uh, And Roman's response was a bit cutting. Uh, He said, "Quotes: I can see it from both perspectives. I can see it from both perspectives, but I think you said it before, that the high tide raises all boats, right? Everybody benefits. But I think, man, these statements are coming from bitter people who possibly thought they were better than they really were. When it comes down to it, CM Punk was not as good or as over as John Cena, wasn't as good or as over, and moved the needle like The Rock. It just was what it was. From a full-time performer, I understand the frustration and wanting more, but like I said before, you gotta take it. I'm a full-time performer, but I've done everything that needs to be done to stay in this position, to continue to make the opportunity for myself to be in the main event at SummerSlam against a John Cena. Woo! Shots fired there, John. John, how do you feel about this? So, granted, I wasn't
3: watching, but it, I don't. Uh, your read is probably going to be more accurate than mine. But like, I've I've sort of gone back and I've seen some things, and I'm sure he wasn't like maybe seen a level, but I felt like he was pretty.
2: We lost John there. So, Sal, why don't you uh, give us your thoughts, and hopefully John will be back soon. I think John might have so, been a little bit oh, on that so, oh, wait, Sorry, John, John you John, froze up there? there. Can you repeat that? John, can you hear us now? <laughs> can you hear us? Yes, we hear you yes. now. Oh, you shit.
1: right after you said um, you know, that Jason's point of reference would probably be better, you kind of cut out. So you was, were saying...
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was saying uh, that, like, I got the impression, like, from things that I've gone back and watched, that CM Punk was fairly over. Uh, Like, uh, so, like, it didn't feel entirely like a fair criticism, but, you know, I also, since I didn't watch consistently back then, I might just, you know, have not understood the entire landscape. Uh, But, you know, I I, I feel like maybe he, he... his position would have justified like being in certain main events or whatever based on like and maybe it was just like the smartier fans that liked him. Mm-hmm.
2: And he froze again. Okay. Sal go ahead. So
1: I think you and I have disagreed. You did, <laughs> but we're good. We got the gist of it. Um Okay. It it. was just at the very end. It was just at the very end. Uh, Look, the weather that was going on in Massachusetts today. We're lucky we have an episode at all tonight. All right.
2: John's not in Massachusetts.
1: I know, but me and you are. (laughs) And if we can't record, then he would be by himself. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) that would be a shit show, by the way. Yes, I'd like to see you review NXT alone. That would be kind of
2: funny. But (laughs) I want to see him review the Bella's podcast alone. But (laughs) anyway, go ahead. (laughs)
1: <laughs> OK, so there's a couple of things here that that needs to be unpacked. First of all, CM Punk has said in numerous interviews, um, whether he was exaggerating or not, that Roman being in the shield was something kind of forced. Like he opposed, supposedly came up with the shield. Uh, he wanted Dean Ambrose. He wanted Seth Rollins and he wanted a guy named Cassius Ono. Mm-hmm. Thank God that didn't last. And they were like, no, you, you, we need Roman in there. Uh, and then he's also gone on to say that, like, that's all the company cared about was protecting Roman. So I'm not surprised that Roman doesn't exactly take too much of a liking to Punk since, since Punk has made those comments so publicly and so many times. Uh, I don't think Roman's necessarily wrong, but on the other side of the coin, this past eight months Roman's character has been more over than it's been in eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it's necessarily about you know (sighs) was Punk as over as he could have been with the booking they gave him? Probably not. You know, he had all that momentum and they fucked his they fucked up his his leaving. They fucked up his return because they did it two weeks later. And then they fucked up the whole story when they had him get pinned clean by Triple H. That being said, they also gave him the title for 434 days. Did it move the needle? I don't know. I mean, you tell me was was Punk versus Dolph Ziggler uh, like a, a, you know, a main attraction pay-per-view? Probably not. When Punk fought The Rock at, at at Royal Rumble, I think it got some buys. Of course, more for The Rock, but you know, did Rock Cena two do better numbers than Rock Cena one? I doubt it. So, like, during that time, do you think Punk was given a fair ch- a fair title run, Jason? Like, do you think he was booked in a he, way that could make him a mainstream star?
2: He held the title. The second longest time in the modern era behind only Bruno San Martino. But I want initially. you to stop and think about the list of names whose title reigns Punk surpassed.
1: But it wasn't the original reign when he was White Hot. When he was White Hot and he won the title and he left. Right. He he they had a tournament yeah. that Mysterio won. Cena beat Mysterio. Cena was the champ, and then they did the unification match at Summerslam, yeah. and he lost the fucking belt yeah. because of the briefcase. Yeah. So he didn't get that belt back. Fucking six months later, until yeah. Survivor Series. Right. So I mean, the hottest he was was. So in the not summer, only did
2: the company have but... enough faith on him to have him that long a run, they actually had enough faith in him to make him a multiple time champion.
1: There are plenty of people who are multiple-time champions, Dean Ambrose being
2: one of them. Who the company clearly valued.
1: And you see no reason that they did.
2: I'm not a fan of his. I've made no bones about that, but I I can – again, see, this is where we get different. I can dislike a person's character and still recognize their value to the company.
1: Okay, so when you talk about value to the company – there was a legitimate claim for Punk in 2011 as being
2: the best in the world. No, there was never a claim for him being the best. He's not a great wrestler. He's a he- good wrestler. He's a very good wrestler. He's a good performer, but he's not. He's a
1: great. He's a very good performer. Look at that match against Taker at WrestleMania 29. That was the match all right, all right, of the let's night. Let's do
2: that. Let's let's play this game real quick. Let's 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 extrapolate this. I'm going to give you wrestlers. You tell me if Punk is better or worse as an in-ring performer. Okay.
1: Okay. Right. And that that includes everything, like
2: the performance, yep. the
1: technical. No, everything.
2: no, in okay. ring performer as a no, wrestler, that's what I mean. not not as counting persona and character in ring as a technical wrestler. No, Fell no. the best. Yes. Exactly. Okay, Kenny Omega. <laughs> this really isn't that hard. I'm not even a huge Omega guy, and I'm not. This isn't even that hard.
1: Omega's better.
2: Okay, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is better. Okay, um, AJ Styles.
1: I'm trying to think of like peak AJ, like peak peak, like t- what, maybe 2007, 2008. AJ's a really good now,
2: right? fine AJ's
3: better okay uh, I I think AJ is better than fucking Omega
2: Kevin Owens no I'd rather go punk okay I John
3: uh I I think I granted I have not seen all that much punk I think Owens is a better okay. wrestler I'm, I'm, uh,
2: I think Sami Zayn
3: and honestly oh,
1: oh poor John <laughs> Oh, go ahead, John. I
3: think,
0: I
2: think,
1: did I fucking cut out again? No, 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 no. We got you now. We got you now. Okay.
2: Oh. <laughs> nope. Nope. And now you're frozen.
1: Sami Zayn. I'd rather punk. I, I was more entertained with punk matches than I've been in Sami Zayn matches. If I look at uh, I'm talking about the best punk match against Joe in in you know, ROH. No, no, no. no
2: I'm talking again. about during his WWE run, during which he feels he was so marginalized and underutilized. During that run, as a WWE performer, that's what we're talking about here. Because this is what he's always complained about. We're not talking about ROH. We're not talking about oh. Impact. So let's go back now. Oh,
1: well then you can't talk about Kenny Omega because... He never was in WWE. No, but I'm talking so.
2: about, about that run versus Omega's run now. Oof. <laughs> to, to Sal, you've been correct up until Owens and Zayn. Owens and Zayn, better in-ring performers. Yes, we hear you now, John.
3: Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I, I left and came back in hopes that that would help. Um, uh, and I, I so desperately wanted to say that Sami Zayn might be my favorite on that entire list. That there you go. Uh,
2: all right, let's let's do this, right? In ring performer as a technical wrestler and in ring performer, CM Punk or Cesaro? CM Punk. I don't think so.
1: I don't think you can throw character out of it. I think character makes a big fucking deal. Like Shawn Michaels is uh, the greatest in ring performer of all time, right? Yes. It's also character. It's not just in ring. Right, but I'm, Everything Michael did made him the greatest performer of all time.
2: Right, but I'm not talking about that because that's not what this article was about or this this discussion was about. He was the one, Punk was the one, who went on Colt Cabana's podcast and said, these guys couldn't carry my jock in the ring. Yes, rim. it's true. So he, and back like, then he was probably right. He set this bar that we are now holding him to. So, for, for every guy I've mentioned, I would put, as an in-ring performer, just as a wrestler, as a as, as pure wrestling ability, I would put every single one of those guys above Punk. Mm. And here's one that's really going to kick him in the dick. I would put Roman Reigns above CM Punk right now.
1: Right now? Yes. I would not in 2012? I would. Punk was never a great wrestler. In two, you seem to forget, in 2012, Roman was... Basic no, and I'm green. T- he has evolved. Nine yeah, I'm times not out sure of ten. you're
2: understanding the point of this exercise, Sal. Huh. What I'm Dude, saying I think is, you're
1: marginalizing how good he was. No, he Look was. Look at his
2: matches on pay per view with Daniel Bryan. Let, let me ask you. Here's here's the thing, okay? If <laughs> oh,
1: I got a better one for you, tell me his on, match with Cena at Money in the Bank wasn't five stars. Was it five stars or not?
2: I'd have to go back and watch it again. It's been a while. But I, I remember it being good. But here's the thing, Sal. Prior to the pipe bomb, who considered CM Punk one of the best wrestlers in the company?
1: Surprisingly, only me. Because okay. I had been following him since So, on a so And maybe that's where my bias So
2: very was, few right? people. And there's a reason for that. His in-ring performance was not... like It was good. It was not standout. He wasn't doing anything that shocked and wowed people in the ring. It was a lot of punches, a lot of kicks. The GTS was great, but he stole it from Japan, and took credit for it. Is his GTS great? I mean, at the
3: time, it Depends was, of it was at the time it was a cool finish. Yes,
2: that a lot. Yeah, of
3: I feel like his is kind
1: of sloppy. Yeah, though.
2: but he also stole it from Kenta. So, um,
1: but no, he gave credit to Kenta. He said he got. it.
2: Years him. later, he gave credit to Kenta. Prior to that, he had told people he had invented it. But
1: didn't Kenta legit fuck people up with
2: yes. it? Yes. Well, it's New Japan, Kenta. Fucks people up all the time. <laughs> Everybody in New Japan fucks people. Fair um, But the pipe bomb, the attitude, the anti-authority uh, persona was what made people take stand up and take notice and follow Punk. When you yeah. take that out of the equation and you focus on just what he was as an in-ring performer, he was okay. He was not great. So, and, and here's the thing: I'm going to give you. I'm going to drop another bombshell on you. I would say the same thing about Stone Cold Steve Austin.
3: I was actually just getting ready to ask. Now, not
2: during the stunt. Not when- yeah, not prior to the double knee surgeries and the and when he was stunning Steve Austin, he was a fantastic in ring performer.
1: I'll do you one better. He was a fantastic in ring performer when he fought Brett in '96. Sure, it's when Owen broke his neck right. that he had to stop being a right. fantastic performer.
2: But by the, by the time he became Stone Cold, he was largely just pit, co- p- kicks and punches, and oh, a stunner. Yeah. Hundred percent. So he wasn't at that point, but the persona carried him through it and Punk was the same thing. See Punk had good again, matches, don't get me wrong.
1: I think I think I'm biased because I watched what this guy did in the Indies before I even knew there was an Indies. Okay. So and let's, i watched let's like those power matches with Joe you, and stuff like you that. Are, you know what I mean?
2: You've been the WrestleMania guy here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. So sure. let's just do this. Let's have this let's let's have this comparison. I think you and I can be on the same page and agree that Taker-Michaels 1 is a 10 out of 10, right? 100%. Okay. What would you give Punk and Taker at WrestleMania?
1: I would give it a 9. It was that good.
2: Okay. See, I'd, I'd have gone a 7. So. Okay. Maybe we can split the difference and say it was
1: an 8. Okay. Maybe that's the general consensus. Okay. So it so, was a very good match for WrestleMania. So
2: working with the same guy... He wasn't really that close, right?
1: Well, yeah, you're correct. He was not really that close to the greatest of all time, Shawn Michaels.
2: But again, though, Shawn Michaels, as great as an all-around performer as he was, wasn't the greatest in the ring. He wasn't as good as Bret Hart as just a wrestler. But he had the charisma, the presence, the promos, the attitude, the swagger. He had all that stuff that Bret Hart didn't have. But if you just took away all of that, and this was all just fucking Bob Backlund, grapple mania, whatever, Bret Hart was a better wrestler. Shawn Michaels was a better performer. Those are two very different things.
1: That's why I think Punk was a great performer. That's fine. That's
2: fine. And I'm agreeing with you there. But the question was not, that was never the question. Well, what Roman said was he thought he was the best in the world. Right. That's what Roman said. He bought into his own gimmick. That's the problem he started to believe he was the greatest wrestler on the planet, and he never was. And he has still carried that to this day. He still feels like he was fucking wronged because Cena and The Rock was the main event of WrestleMania. When in reality, that was the thing people tuned in to watch.
1: Well, okay. I understand that. He has no business saying that in 2012 when they did the first match. But yeah, I was annoyed when they made it when they made Once in a Lifetime happen twice. And I do think Punk should have been in that main event that year in 2013.
2: Over the WWE Championship match.
1: No, in the WWE Championship match, they should have made it a triple threat. The story would have would have made sense. No,
2: it wouldn't. Have. The whole story like was the like Cena, said, the, whole the, story was the, the redemption of Cena for losing that match to The Rock. If you recall, he lost that match to The Rock, then went on to lose for the better part of, of a year, and then slowly towards the WrestleMania time started to redeem himself, and that was the overcoming that loss. That was the whole story leading into that second match. Yeah, New York loved
1: every second of that match, let me tell you.
2: Well, Cena won. They didn't like Cena at the time. New York
1: was bored as shit. They were chanting shit during the match. Constantly.
2: Okay, but let's also... uh, It's New York. Okay, A, A, it's New York. A, it's New York. A, it's New York. B, Rock completely fucked himself up within, like, the first three minutes of the match. Yeah, he did. And could barely (laughs) barely walk. So, yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. That's right. All right
0: because, because, of because here's the thing
2: and and if you want to talk if you do want to include persona in that discussion let's discuss who the greatest wrestling personas were of all time cm punk or the rock the rock cm punk or stone cold stone cold. cm punk or the undertaker
3: the Undertaker. I'm I'm not an Undertaker guy. I'd actually go. For I'm not, but like, I don't perform- like the Undertaker. I'm
2: not wise. either, John. But I'm talking about overall perception. Like all yeah, time. broad
3: appeal. Yes. It's the Undertaker. But for my own personal
1: taste, I never got the
3: Undertaker. No,
2: I wasn't a huge fan. Either.
1: I got one for you, Jason. CM
2: Punk or Brock Lesnar? That's a close one for me. But I'm not. I'm also. I'm also the wrong guy to ask because I'm not a huge Brock guy. But
1: see, I am. I am. I love Brock. I've always <laughs> loved him, which is weird because a lot of people don't like Brock. But I, I, I like that when he does talk, it becomes like a meme for the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch the show, Paul. <laughs> right. Um, but I think Punk is the better character because. It's that anti-establishment. It's okay, that so, buck the so, system.
2: So here's what I'm going to say. The reason oh. – there are certain people I would put above him for a very specific reason. For example, Daniel Bryan. I will put Daniel Bryan above CM Punk, and you may disagree with that, but let me explain why I would do that. And I, And this is including Persona. Daniel Bryan has been able to – be the most over person in the company and be the most beloved character on that company and be able to make everyone absolutely fucking hate him and be equally successful in both ways. Punk was never successful without being the anti-establishment guy. That was the only role that ever got him over in his entire career. He was a mid card guy everywhere he went for most of his career, save for Ring of Honor.
1: Which was his entire career, but that's all right. It, I mean, he was in TNA when he was like, what, 21 years old, and he was there for like seven months with Raven. Yeah. And he was made a venting with Raven, by the way. Once that dog kind of sounds like we're talking is. about Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> um,. And then he went to Ring of Honor. He was in Ring of Honor for like six years, yeah, dude. He okay, in how
2: many years was he for in a while WWE? before he broke through?
1: Yeah. And then right after that, he okay, went but how WWE. many years was he in WWE? About uh, six years.
2: I was more than six years, but
1: 2006. All right, so it was eight
2: years. Okay, so it, you just said the most of his career was in Ring of Honor, when that's not the case at all. But discounting that fact, the point the, the point still stands: was he ever a top guy without that anti-establishment character?
3: Unless you count ECW
1: champion, <laughs> I was gonna say he, he won the title a couple times, but he was never the draw. Right when he when he beat Edge, uh, so yeah, so was it was, was, it, was yeah. it
2: the man or was it the gimmick that got over?
1: I don't know. That, I've heard people say I, anybody I can like, do that pipe bomb, and I disagree. And I've heard people like say the
2: guy was an absolute fucking prick.
1: Oh, that I know. I believe Look, that. I believe in 100%. And mind you, I want to bring this up because of the rumors that are going around, the rumors, I say, about, about Rampage this Friday. I'm specifically talking about Punk's title run from his summer of Punk until when he left. Uh, the guy now, I have no idea who he is now. I know what he okay, said so, in the past five so
2: years. So let me just put, this, put it this way. AEW is the perfect, perfect place for CM Punk.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because he has become the
2: poster child for people who hate the way WWE does business by virtue of the the decisions he made. Going back to the pipe bomb, people still feel like that was a legit shoot promo. Because it's still real to me, damn it, I guess. Um, Because it was the first time that
1: that type of stuff was. I I get get, get all
2: that stuff. My point is to say he lines up perfectly with the ideology of the rabid aew fan which is wwe bad this is the guy who told vince mcmahon to go fuck himself and left his company this is the guy who's going to be incredibly over in aew but he's gonna be incredibly over because of the things and character he did in wwe not because of something he did Cody, well, Cody, Cody, I will give Cody credit. He is incredibly over in AEW having reinvented himself from what he did in WWE. He is a complete 360 from what he was in WWE.
1: It's everything he wanted to be in WWE and they wouldn't let right. him be. But he pitched the right, character. But
2: everyone. this is all him. This was True. his creation, his push, his vision and he was right. So you are aware that the
1: Summer of Punk in WWE in 2011 was a complete rehash of the Summer of Punk in 05 and ROH. Yeah. Almost word for word. Yeah. So he, you know, it wasn't WWE that gave him that character that well, year.
2: Well, no. No, no. No. You're, you're you're also remembering this fondly. He had he had an anti-establishment asshole gimmick in Ring of Honor. He had he had an anti-establishment asshole gimmick that nobody but Tape traders saw okay wwe gave him the platform for that persona to be seen on a national level put put the microphone in his hand put him in the fucking ring Uh, put him in the fucking ring with vince mcmahon to really get that character over because i'll tell you what as much as, as as great as the pipe bomb thing is who what do you remember from that pipe bomb promo you remember, I'd love to think this company will be better once Vince McMahon dies, but it will be taken mm-hmm. over by his moronic daughter and his doofus son-in-law. That's the line everyone remembers from that promo. Sure. So was the promo over, or was the I hate Vince part over? The whole thing? And then, the I hate and then what was the other thing that really got him over? What, what, what? was? Do you remember the thing that people were chanting for months at CM Punk?
1: Ice cream bars. Yeah.
2: Why? Where did that come from, Sal? Remind me.
1: I will remind you. Two weeks later, he they did raw in Boston. And they put him in the ring for a live contract. Yeah, yeah. Who was
2: in Vince that McMahon? ring with him again? Who is the foil Vince for him? McMahon. Oh, okay. So much like Stone Cold became Stone Cold because of his feud with Vince McMahon. Does CM Punk ever become this CM Punk without the interactions and mentions and, and anti-establishment of Vince McMahon?
1: Without Vince playing his role, absolutely. Okay, not. so thank you. Absolutely so, so not. it wasn't because it fell off. It did fall off significantly when, when he transitioned to Johnny Ace instead of Vince. Right, Benz.
2: exactly. Without Vince McMahon to play off of. And and, and and here's the thing, and I will give you Roman in the same boat, because when Roman was doing his program with Vince that they ran for like two weeks and then stopped, Roman they, started. He tried it for like two months. Roman, oh, right. no, 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 no. It was only Vince for like two weeks, and then they transitioned it to Hunter. Well, yes, and Hunter was over with the crowd. Vince was on the other side, Roman was over like Rover with the crowd. Once Vince was gone and Hunter was in that place, they started booing the shit out of Reigns and cheering Hunter in that situation. Uh, To
1: the point where in Philly, the same place that they ripped him apart at the Rumble a year and a half before, they were chanting, you deserve it when he won the title for the second time in December of 2016. And then we got... uh, but, but, and,
2: and, and Vince as a foil to get a guy over is, is fine. That's not a problem. Daniel Bryan did the same thing. But here's the difference. I mean, Daniel Bryan did it more with Hunter and Stephanie. But here's the thing, though. Daniel Bryan maintained that level when that was taken away. He was still amazingly and incredibly over. Uh, as both a face and a heel.
1: Now I, I will give Daniel Bryan all the credit in the world for for his role in the character he created when he turned heel um, and he went with the environmental character against Kofi. Right? Okay. I,
2: I know where you're going to go. I thought here.
1: that was I thought that was a main.
2: I know where you're going to go here. All right. Before you tell me that he was not super over as a face without the authority on the other side, I want to flash you back to Monday Night Raw, the steel cage match with the Wyatt family. When he took oh, the yeah. Wyatt family jumpsuit off, that had nothing to do with the McMahons. When he took the Wyatt family jumpsuit off, that is one of the loudest modern-day pops I've ever heard. Everybody loves
1: to forget that the timeline for that match with Wyatt was was a good three weeks after what happened in, in um, wherever they were in Washington, when they were trying to do the uh, the title unification Uh, promo and and everybody just kept chanting for daniel bryan okay so that that whole daniel bryan against the authority and nobody's giving daniel bryan a chance was going on for that whole year before he got into the cage with
2: Wyatt. right and then they were on a completely different program at that point yeah but everybody still just wanted
1: daniel bryan in the main event (laughs) ever since because you remember before that dude he was fighting randy orton at every pay-per-view for the belt going into that fall all right. So that's where people got the idea because he got screwed at SummerSlam. Nevertheless, right. no. what I was going to say is you seem to forget, because you were on this network, after Daniel Bryan won the title, what was the first program he had? Kane. Yeah. How did you feel about I hated that? it. Okay. And then he got injured and he lost the belt. Yeah. We don't know what would have happened, but it seemed like it was going to go down a very dumb road until he lost to Brock at SummerSlam.
2: Well, do you remember why he was feuding with Kane?
1: First of all, we had corporate Kane. And because he used to be partners with him, so...
2: No, it was because Kane was specifically selected by Stephanie McMahon to take him out. So it was still part of that ongoing anti-authority yeah, story.
1: Yeah, we got, we got the horror movie skit on Raw where they were running and they couldn't get away from Kane fast enough <laughs> and the car wouldn't start. I seriously wonder if we continued on that route. If Brian would have started getting booed by SummerSlam.
2: We are way off the track here. The point is to say, (laughs) the point is to say, Punk was never as over in reality as Punk was in his own mind for Punk. He, 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 he has convinced himself that he was the reason he was over and that it had nothing to do with the quote unquote machine of WWE getting behind him. And the reality is, he was over prior to WWE with the tape traders and the the crowd, who is largely going to be the same type of crowd he's going to have in AEW. And they will love him, and he will pop numbers for them. 100%. I'm not sitting here and telling you he won't. What I'm sitting here and telling you is, the guy has an incredibly overinflated sense of self, that he has manipulated and twisted the actual reality of how important he was in the lexicon of professional wrestling and doesn't seem to have a grip on reality in the fact of where he ranks amongst other people. Which I get, and I understand sometimes to be the best you have to have an irrational confidence. I understand for, for professional wrestling. I was going to
1: say, all the best... of of all time, have that exact mentality,
2: don't they? Except most of them were not. <sighs> Your t- CM Punk is not a Mount Rushmore guy.
1: No, 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 no. But there is, there is one guy who still thinks that he is the reason we all watch wrestling, and that's Hulk Hogan. I mean, you want to talk about an inflated s- sense of belief? I understand what Hogan did in the 80s. But that guy to this day still thinks that there would not be companies in wrestling if it was not for him.
2: Um. Uh, I mean, there were there was there were territories, sure. You'd have small territories. Uh, but that,
1: but, it, but, it, but here's the thing. My point the, is, like, if if you don't believe that about yourself, the, the, then how do you make it to the top the fo- of this industry?
2: Bigger. You're compa- the problem you're having here, Sal, is you're comparing you're, you're comparing Punk to Mount Rushmore guys. He's not in that category. You can't compare him to Hogan. You can't compare him to Flair or Michaels or HBK or Rock or Austin. He's not in that level. He's not in that group. Charlotte's very fond of saying there's levels to this. That's because it's true. There are those guys. There are those Mount Rushmore guys. Those guys who are in that discussion of greatest of all time. CM Punk is not in that. He thinks he is. He th- he legitimately believes he is the best wrestler in the history of the world. So does so does Chris Jericho. You want you want to make the case for Chris Jericho, Sal? No, but there's another guy who. If you don't believe Jericho it, and CM Punk you know are I mean? very fucking similar. Well very fucking similar long. you listen to pro okay so cm punk created the shield right in the same way yeah. chris jericho created the money in the bank match right and chris jericho created everything good that's ever happened in the history of professional say, wrestling chris Jericho claims everything punk, he punk, just punk claim credits thing. a lot of stuff to himself but um uh, i i i feel like we're going around in circles at this point and we're going to uh, yeah. Dif- it's, different it's, people it's, will listen to this, and they'll have different takes on your side or my side. That's fine. Um, that's fine. But,
1: Can I spin off of that, though? Sure. Because this all started with what Roman said, yeah. right? So let's kind of sidetrack. And, John, I apologize because I know you already had a chance to talk about this with Troy the other night, but mm-hmm. or last night, as it were. Um, Roman and Cena opened SmackDown last week on a promo. Mm-hmm. And I was so impressed. I must have watched that thing about 10 times by now. It was so fucking good. But I'm interested in what you guys think for the simple fact that a lot of purists will say, just because you go out there and drop a bunch of inside terms doesn't make it a good promo.
2: So so, so for me, and like I said, I know John talked about it a little bit the other day. For me, it wasn't the insider terms that made it a good promo. Do you know what it was for me? The timing? Nope. What was it? I watched that promo, and I legitimately thought those two guys fucking hated each other. Really? That's what made it a good promo for me. Okay. There was an air of realism to it. It felt like two guys that fucking can't stand each other really trying to rip and outdo the other one.
1: See, I didn't get that. And I was there in 97 when Brett and Sean
2: were cutting those promos. And you were like, is this real life? For me... I mean, Nikki Bella was fresh out of the Sunny Days line right there. True.
1: (laughs) But, like, afterwards, like, at the very end when Cena flipped the mic and left and his music stopped playing, you could see
2: Roman, like, start, like, smiling.
1: You know what I mean? But he was
2: smiling as a, what a fucking cunt. That was what the smile was.
1: Okay, I so, took it so as if you go back as, like, to this, this
2: fucking guy did it again, <laughs> if you he did, that was sort of what it was, because if you go back, and it's part of the reason I felt like it was a little bit more legit. If you go back to when they had their promo battles before their match, what was it? Fastlane at Great Balls of Fire, whatever the fuck it was. Um, yep. They had a string of promos, and most of the time when they would do these things, Cena would get his shit in then he would just throw the mic and walk away before Roman had a chance to get back at him. Cena did that again on Friday, and I t- I took Roman smiling as, that f- motherfucker's doing this shit again. Which added, told
1: him to. He said, go home, kid. Or oh, take us
2: home, kid. added to that realism to me was, I'm going to stand here and take all the shit that you're going to throw at me, and then when it's my turn, you're going to fucking dip like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, that being said, I, I really fucking thought it was great shit.
2: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed uh, it.
1: Everything, everything from fucking, and I don't know how the fuck they did it. I, I feel like somebody in the back dared John Cena, like, take one of the worst chance in, in WWE history and make it make it the storyline going into SummerSlam. And he's like, all right, one, yeah. two. <laughs> he got one, two, three over. <laughs> I mean, so,
2: so did Drew for a while.
1: But that's <laughs> what... No, he got 3-2-1 overs. A little Close bit. enough. <laughs> but that... Like, that's the... St- all of a sudden, now, SummerSlam is compelling. He's admitting, like, Roman's probably going to beat the shit out of him, but all he needs to do is, is get a three count.
2: What I loved... And- actually, that was one of the lines I loved about it. was like, you're going to beat my ass. Ask him. I only need three seconds. Because it was a throwback to that match with Lesnar, where yeah. Lesnar just absolutely fucking dominated him. I think beat the shit out of him with a chain, like destroyed him and he got like a fucking roll up or something and won the match.
1: So Lesnar's first match yeah. back in WWE to the point where I thought it was his last. So match.
2: I just fucking loved that. They threw back to that. That was a great callback.
1: Yeah, no, I, I just fucked dude. The whole thing was great. And I, of course, personally, I popped for the line at the end where he's like, I'm going to hop the barricade. I'm going to run at my right. ass out of the line stadium. I might even blow you a kiss
2: on the way out. <laughs> the, the reference to punk there was fantastic. Oh, it
1: was great. Oh, as far as the Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose stuff, he said that because he knows that the internet has said that before. Right. And he, you know, that was just a way to be like, oh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But good. Overall, I thought it was great. I, it enjoyed, was just worth it. It. I enjoyed
2: it quite a bit. John? Uh,
3: so... My uh I, I I talked about this uh yesterday, uh, but uh my my take on it was the thing that is disconnecting me from uh from the John Cena half of this a little bit is I feel like when he's insulting Roman he's cutting promos on the version of Roman that existed four years ago. And not the one that uh it, it all feels like, you know, like when he talks about the guy who like he basically makes the argument that he's not credible a lot and like, you know, okay. Anyone who's been watching at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like logically consistent from a baby face. Like if, if he were a heel, I'd be like, okay, he's just being a shit.
2: But so I heard you make that point on, on WWE rundown and I understand why you would make that point. My counter to that would be to me, that is his retort to Roman Saying he's not gonna wrestle him because he hasn't changed, he hasn't evolved, he's the same guy. It's his subtle jab at Roman, saying you're still the same guy too.
3: Yeah, you haven't because he's clearly not.
2: But that's but that's the that's the whole point. Is he's saying this is all an insecurity because deep down you are still that same guy that got booed, and you know you couldn't get over the way you were. So this is just your insecurity playing into it. I, that's how i read it and and i enjoyed it for that reason in part actually
1: that's kind of how i read it too it's, it's yeah, especially because um he went he went down his history yeah. of everything he's had to protect right. him and even he's like you got paul Heyman now you got two guys right. that do your dirty work and it's still not working right. and it is working obviously right. but it's seen as way of being like you're the same fucking bitch I beat four years ago. And, and the
2: whole him, thing, left. this whole program started with like two or three weeks in a row of Roman criticizing him for not evolving, for not changing, for not being anything different than what he was when he left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was why. I, that's how I took it, and maybe that's why I enjoyed it more. I don't know. But and of course, I, I tend to read more stuff into this than I think sometimes is actually there. But if it's what gets me <laughs> to enjoy this shit, then fine.
3: Exactly. (laughs) You you assume depth from WWE storytelling. There you go.
1: Which I've I've made a mistake as well. Hey, write it yourself. It sounds better. There you go.
2: (laughs) Oh, we've established most of the theories I come up with on this network are better than what actually happens. But.
1: Oh, we're going to talk about that a little later when we get to NXT. Okay, well, let's
2: get to NXT right now because we are an hour and a half into this bitch already and we haven't even gotten through the opening segment. So. Let's take it NXT. We start with our typical recap. We open in the ring with the diamond mine already there. And Bivens saying he doesn't like negativity, but if they're going to get negative, let's get all the way negative. Says Kushida's a liar and a coward, but he gets it because he wouldn't want to have to defend against Roddy either. Says Roddy wants a match and Bivens wants his payday, so it's open challenge season. Um, this leads to Ilya Dragunov coming out. Uh, I immediately dig the idea of these two beating the shit out of each other for a few minutes. Um, We get to a quick start of just grappling, nobody really getting the better of the other, just a lot of back and forth, they get into a vicious chop battle. Uh, Roddy hits a series of chops in the corner, whips Ilya out. Ilya reverses and Roddy takes the corner sternum first, a la Bret Hart. Uh, before Ilya hits a front face lock suplex, goes for the goes to the top for a it looked like a stomp. Uh, Roddy moves, Ilya rolls through and hits a jumping knee on Roddy. Uh, Roddy ducks a chop and Ilya, this was I love this spot because Ilya goes for a chop, Roddy ducks it. So then Ilya chops his quad. <laughs> and Roddy face bumps. Uh, I, yep. I don't know. I don't remember seeing that before. I like that. Um, Ilya goes for the Constantine special, but Roddy drop kicks into the floor. Uh, and he goes to come back in. Ilya stands over Roddy in front of the stairs, but Hachiman distracts Ilya, and Roddy pulls Ilya into the steps, then follows up with a half-Nelson slam on the corner of the apron that looked nasty, but not even the worst apron spot we were going to see on this episode of NXT. Uh, we then go to break. We come back. More grappling and striking. Ilya stands over Roddy and delivers a nasty-looking forearm to Roddy's head. Uh, that was stiff as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh both guys at this point look either really gassed or really concussed i can't quite tell um Ilya hits a series of germans on the second he doesn't turn his head and roddy lands smack on his face with his back and busts him wide open uh originally i thought as roddy goes for the third roddy starts throwing elbows to the jaw that looked pretty nasty they might have been payback for the forearm. Um, But I thought he busted him open on that. I had to go back a second time and watch and see after the second suplex, there was blood all over Roddy's back. So it it happened before the elbows, um, and then I sort of was able to figure out what it was. Uh, After this, Roddy goes for the jumping knee, but Ilya hits the matrix move to get out of the way uh, and then hits a jumping in Zaguri. Uh, Ilya hits the ball sack suplex with a bridge, gets two out of it, uh, then goes for Torpedo Moscow, but instead gets a jumping knee from Roddy. Loved that spot. That looked stiff as shit. Uh, Ilya then staggers to the ropes, but out of nowhere hits Torpedo Moscow and gets the win. Uh, so for my money, really solid match. Uh Didn't do Roddy a whole lot of favors to lose this match as he continues to go for uh, Kushida. Uh, we'll talk about the post-match stuff in a minute, but uh John, what would you think of the match here?
3: Uh, I enjoyed the match. Uh, I, having never seen, like, Ilya prior to last week, um, is the the mo- the Torpedo Moscow, does it always happen that abruptly? He,
1: he has set up for it. He usually goes corner to corner with it.
3: That was what he built? was
2: setting up for in the corner when he was doing the waving arms mm-hmm. and everything. And then yeah, uh, okay. he charged in, and that's when Roddy hit him with the jumping knee.
3: Because like it happening right after the jumping knee felt a little sudden. Yeah, it definitely and did. And not entirely satisfying yeah. as a finish for me. Yeah, but, fair enough. Uh, but but I liked the the match. It was very yep. good. Uh, and honestly, like it's the most engaged I've been with anything Roddy's been doing since he's been in Diamond Mine.
2: So oh, yeah. <laughs> Sal, your thoughts on the match?
1: Um. Okay. So first off, just like you, I went back and I rewatched the German suplex sequence because commentators immediately tried to sell you that it was uh, the elbows and I'm like no he was bleeding on his back when he was going for the third all one right. so I thought he like caught his tights or something and it just like sliced him but I I guess he was, where was he, was it his he nose was his bleeding? Nose. Okay, that's why it happens So, so leg, my guess is on the boring. German
2: usually you turn your head to avoid the, the impact on your yeah, nose, my guess he is did he didn't do it and all of Roddy's weight came down on his nose Sorry. Yeah, and you just
1: saw the blood like flowing, which right. makes sense. Yeah. Broken nose. Um But no, I enjoyed the match. Uh I thought this before the finish. I you know, Malcolm Bivens is out there cutting a promo for the Diamond Mine. I'm like, what diamond mine? We got we got Roddy <laughs> Strong with some with some gray gear as opposed to black and yellow gear. That's about yeah, the diamond mine.
2: He doesn't do anything. He's actually he really good. He's actually really good. I can't wait till they actually turn him loose and let him wrestle. But
1: but that's the thing is I, at this point he's a coach. Yeah.
2: <sighs> doesn't mean they won't add someone going forward.
1: Sure, but like you said, the loss doesn't do him any no,
2: favors. No, not Just... not as you go into Kushida. But you can't you couldn't have Ilya lose two weeks in a row either, and no, that no, Pete no. Dunne loss didn't do Ilya any favors. So they All at right. least sort of rehabbed him a little bit with this win. Anyway, after the match, Ilya grabs the mic and calls out Walter, and Walter is just like, fuck you, I'm not doing anything. So no Walter appearance. (laughs) A little bit weird, but it would sort of be made a little bit more sense later on in the show. Um, We go to the back. Samoa Joe is arriving. Before we go to break, we come back from break. We get Prime Target on Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Now, I have in the past loved these Prime Target specials, uh, this one was pretty much just mostly old footage and mainly uh, a little bit of a sit down interview with Adam Cole. Uh, not a whole lot new ground being broken here.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, man, I got really confused because I thought the Prime Targets like really went like in deep. The and first made you, like, one
2: they did for these two did. Um, yeah, and then this one was just sort of like it felt. But rushed. this
1: one just felt like your typical.
2: Video package you know, people, before match, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. That was exactly the feeling I got from it too. John, did you have any thoughts on this?
3: Uh it didn't get me particularly hyped for the match, I'll say that. Like, uh, I, I, I expect the match to be good, but like the more I the more I'm reminded of how little I'm connecting with Roddy's character, the more I'm just like eh. Kyle, you mean? Oh, yeah, Kyle, sorry. I, I still had uh, uh, <laughs> the fact that I'm not connecting with uh, his character on the mind, too. Apparently, Adam Cole's the only uh, member of Undisputed Era that I still,
1: uh, still enjoy <laughs> promos. That's actually what we were afraid of, yeah, I especially yeah. recently, because Kyle has, I don't know, he's never gotten back to where he was when he first fought Balor. No. that's when I feel like he was at his,
2: his peak. Or when he first fought Cole. It feels a little bit like following the path of Gargano-Ciampa. That first match was so yeah. hot between the two of them, and then after that they just sort of went to the well too often and it sort of lost a lot of steam by the time the third one rolled around didn't have nearly the same heat that the first one did.
1: No, we all said the third one was like,
2: yeah, it was good. Yeah. So hopefully was... hopefully this will confound those expectations and be fantastic this Sunday. Weird to to have a WWE pay-per-view on a Saturday and a takeover on a Sunday. It still blows my mind a little bit. Um, Anyway, uh, we then go back to the ring and Hit Row comes out. Um, They go into the ring to cut a promo, but the promo seems incredibly rushed. Like, BFAB says her line, and they're, like, trying to pull the mic away from her before she's even finished. They all say, like, one line, and then we cut to the back where Santos is up. Uh, he says when he took his grill, he disrespected his culture, and when Swerve burned the mask, he received the message. Uh, then he says that he'd like to give the grill back. Swerve should come and... He would come and give it to him, but he doesn't trust the, the crew. So, if Swerve comes out by himself, he'll return it to him man-to-man. Swerve takes him up and heads to the back as Hit Row tells him, have you ever watched wrestling before? Um, Swerve... G- <laughs> <laughs> now, first off... Oh, my guys aren't here. Just come and meet me in the the parking lot by himself. As soon as you hear NXT in parking lot, you say no. Yeah. Nothing (laughs) good ever happens in the NXT parking lot. Uh, So he makes his way out there, and as he's walking towards Santos, uh, we see Raul and Joaquin come up behind him, but Swerve has this scouted, uh, turns before they can attack him, throws his jacket at him, and then it's a three-on-one. The numbers game... Catches up with him and uh, eventually Santos. And this I I really like this touch. Santos tried to shove the grill back into Swerve's mouth. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) oh, I'll give it back to you. It's kind of gross. It was gross, but I thought it was fantastic for the purpose of the story. Uh, At this point, the rest of Hit Row arrives and starts just fucking shit up. And my favorite part, my favorite moment in NXT in probably the last year or so, we got uh, B-Fab in the parking lot with a lead pipe. Uh, She was fucking dudes up with this lead pipe. This was great. Specifically
1: Mendoza. I think he actually (laughs) caught it under the ribs. I have.
2: Um, Plus I threw a clue reference in there. I'm not sure if anybody caught that, but go ahead. I caught you. Okay. Uh,
1: so he, here's the thing. <laughs> I was initially like, oh Swerve, you're so fucking dumb, right? But then hit roaster tall. So I'm like, eh, it's kind
2: of a badass. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um All right. one thing I will say that the, the most important thing that came out of this segment is confirmation that BFAB knows how to handle a pipe. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> They really fucked up Santos here. Like, uh, we had, uh, Top Dollar just picking him up and then, uh, Swerve and just repeatedly slamming him into like a freight door, uh, to the point where he's almost incapacitated. Then they take the grill back. And this is where I had to your point, Sal. It feels like every step of this story has ended with Hit Row leaving Legato laying. And I, don't know why I'm supposed to be compelled by this story if Legato never stands tall. We talked about it last week, actually, when they did the segment last week, and it ended with Legato beats the show, but then they had to end it with Hit Row coming back before they ended the segment. And I said at the time, if you recall, I would have ended it with Legato standing tall. Then you do this this week, now they've got their heat back. Instead, all you've done is just make Legato look stupid. Now, what you could be setting up for here, and this is a possibility because they made a they went to great pains to make the case for BFAB here, which we haven't really seen before. Is Legato getting a female member to sort of counteract BFAB?
1: That might be why they've been on the bottom of the segment because they're outnumbered and, okay. and she's been the
2: difference maker. That that could be interesting. Because even last week she was like the one helping to get swerve helping swerve to get uh, santos so we'll see
3: i was just wondering if maybe they're leaning into hit row standing tall just because like hit rows kind of thin the thing that like i feel like post nxt that people are buzzing most about lately so i'm mm-hmm. wondering if they're just sort of presenting them strong to try and sort of get people to check out the thing that everyone's buzzing about
2: that could be and we would find out later that next week will be a six person tag a six man tag between uh i think they said it was swerve ashante and top dollar versus legato uh b fab obviously probably be at ringside so that would be a good spot to bring in the the evening the odds female Maybe it's mm-hmm. that catalina girl did she get fired i don't even remember <laughs> she's been down there so much uh anyway That was the end of this segment. We go back to the back where L.A. Knight is working out with Cameron Grimes. He tells Grimes he's going to miss him as his butler, but it doesn't get any better than the million-dollar butler. Uh, He then goes over to Josh Briggs, who's just randomly standing there working out, and offers him ten grand to hurt Cameron Grimes tonight. Briggs, of course, accepts, because why the fuck wouldn't you? And we go to break. Um, Anything on any of this? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was there. Yeah. Uh, we come back from break with Walter saying that tonight is not about him and Anelia. It's about Imperium. So I liked that they tied back the fact that he didn't answer Ilya with this promo. The first section of this promo was just saying, listen, it's not, I'm not going out there because it's not about me and Ilya. It's about you guys. And I liked that. Um, they, uh, Imperium says that they will remind the whole world that teams like MSK don't belong in the ring with Imperium. Uh, that they will lead the people to a future where there is no space for people like MSK. What divides them from everyone else is that they are in it to restore honor to the greatest sport. Uh, good promo, solid promo. Nothing earth shattering, but you know, good effort by Imperium usually is.
1: I like the the way it was shot. I just it looked really good. I was waiting, it
2: waiting looked for it. like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a little
2: bit of those vibes. <laughs>
1: um. What the
2: shirt!
1: <laughs> the only, uh, and uh, like you said, the fact that Dragonov's screaming after his match for Walter to get out there, and then Walter doesn't even give him the satisfaction of talking about him right. in his promo was nice. Yeah. Um, I would have liked this promo better if things went a different way later, but that's uh, alright. We'll see where
2: it goes. We know. We, we, we had a discussion last week. Uh,
1: so we go back to the ring, and... Uh... So about...
3: about... About the screaming thing. About about the Dragunov screaming thing.
2: Is his character
3: supposed to be mentally unstable?
1: Yes. His character is Chris okay. okay. Benoit, but Russian. I just wanted to check in on with, that. Because with I, less uh, child uh, killing. Again, not gotcha. that we know of.
2: Right. <laughs> One would hope. Right. Uh, so we go back to the ring and find out that Teddy DiBiase is on commentary. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, Cameron Crimes <laughs> makes his way to the ring. Uh, as soon as he comes out and gets on the stage... Uh, L.A. Knight passes him, and the music switches to L.A. Knight's music. I like that. Uh, L.A. Knight demands a seat and a headset to join commentary. Uh, Briggs is already in the ring. Uh, first note I have is Briggs hits a ridiculous boot to the face, and Grimes sold it like a million bucks. Uh, Briggs with a release side slam followed by a jackknife splash. Uh, Grimes comes back, hits a flying forearm, then hits the collision course, followed by the cave-in for the win. Um, yes, it was a loss. Yes, it was borderline squash ish but i thought uh josh briggs looked a lot better in the big man role here than he did against uh carmelo hayes a few weeks ago i know you were super critical of briggs in his first match john did you get a better feeling for him here
3: i i liked this match considerably more yes although actually the the bits that i wasn't like super into in this match were actually like i didn't think like the la- like Cameron Grimes finishing the match, I-, I thought both of those came off a little bit more sloppy than b- they normally
2: do. Collision course, a little harder to hit on a guy Briggs' size, too, though.
3: That That's fair.
2: Um, but, but he did a good job of getting over for him, too, there. Um, but I just thought Briggs' selling here was much better big man selling. I thought he was way overselling selling in the Carmelo Hayes match, probably because it was one of his buddies um, and really gosh. wanted to get him over. But... I thought this was a much, much better uh, showing for Briggs, even in, even though it wasn't, like, a dominating uh, performance. But I thought he looked a lot better. Sal, did you feel the same way?
1: I did. I um, is that a bunch of new ink for Josh Briggs? I don't remember him having all those tattoos. Before.
2: No, he's always, they're all, like, superhero logos. He's got them all up and down. Um, Maybe
1: because he used to wear the shoulder pad during his mat. You know yeah. what I mean? No,
2: he's always had a That's lot fun. of tats. That's
1: um, yeah, the cave in was my probably my least favorite part of the match.
2: Just I think he was right. in such a rush to make it look like he was desperate to hit it to to win the match that he sure. rushed it. it. It definitely looked like it wasn't as clean as we've seen it in the past.
1: But other than that, it was it was fine. Uh, like thing, you said, Josh looked great.
2: And I, when he had the the cave in as his finish in TNA, I didn't like it a lot. And then he came to NXT, and as soon as he hit it in one of those jobber matches where it's like the bell rang, the guy turned and he hit the cave in and it was for the first, I was like, Holy shit. He can, it's what it's like fucking RKO. It can come out of nowhere. That made the move cool to me. So, um, yep. I like the fact sometimes they're going to rush it and it's going to be a thing, but you know, all, all, all things considered, I, I thought this was exactly what the match needed to be. Um, we go to the outside and, it, and as Grimes is celebrating, we catch Knight hitting DiBiase at the, at the commentary table. And uh, as Grimes comes out for the save, he hits the BFT on the floor. Anybody remember what the BFT is? I told you, guys, oh. I told you guys last week.
3: Memory like a goldfish.
2: Yep. Blunt Same. force trauma.
3: Blunt force oh. trauma. That
2: was the name that right. of. Uh, we then go backstage where Candice and Johnny, no mention of the baby, they are chatting, and Johnny says, it's bad enough Austin's gone. Indy went on the date with Dexter And he talked to Jean Paul, and they were very inappropriate. Uh, Not even the best line of this promo. Uh, Indy walks in and she has on an index shirt, which really upsets Johnny, which I liked. Um, She says she's been seeing Dexter. She's seen a lot of them. They went hiking, bike riding. They went to the beach. They made a sandcastle. After each thing, Johnny keeps saying, yuck. And then she says, we went up in a hot air balloon. Johnny says, actually, that's a baller move.
1: (laughs) Actually, that's pretty baller
2: that was awesome um, Indy then says they made out 100 feet in the air, to which we're back to gross uh, and then they're thinking of getting matching tattoos Candace says that as long as she's living under their roof, no tattoos especially matching ones um, Indy says she wants to take things to the next level Johnny says she wants to go to the next level she needs to see how they work together in the ring as a team uh, Dexter arrives and Johnny says how long have you been standing there you weirdo that
3: was my favorite part of the, was normally you would you would see the Dexter arrive and the person yeah. would be like oh no but Johnny was just like right. fuck you man. it was great
2: uh Indy and Dexter immediately start holding hands uh and Johnny asks how the cake tasted last week Indy says he loved the cake and he even had room for pie whoa hold up
1: Oh, it gets better. Yeah.
2: It actually yeah. gets better. And then, uh, and then Johnny and Candice, as they leave, are very confused because the menu didn't have pie on it.
1: Johnny's like, I looked at that <laughs> menu front yes. and back, up and down.
2: Uh, so it's, the good news is that Dexter is a very giving lover. We've learned that now. Hmm. <laughs> so last week we talked about how I wasn't a huge fan of these like skits with the Garganos. This shit is great. Like when they're backstage and they're just in a promo and it's not like an overly produced like, oh, Johnny's got to be wacky guy in a disguise. And he's just being a, a dumbass in a promo so much better than what we got last week. I love this.
1: Part of the this problem with yeah. WWE NXT is <laughs> they want to shoot something 67 times and overproduce it. But, you know, what can you do?
2: But did you like this? Oh, I did. Okay. I did. It was good.
1: Okay. Uh, and like you said, I I think it is a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's just a commerce setting, or if Johnny, or if they just keep all the takes because Johnny's so fucking hilarious in these backstage mm-hmm. segments. But it was money, yeah. and I I like the little nuances. I like Dexter coming in there and immediately holding Indy, Indy's yeah. hand, like that would, made sense to yeah. me. I like Candace being like, "You're not getting matching tattoos. Right.
2: Like, as long as you're sorry. living under our roof." <laughs> loved it classic uh john your thoughts uh i i enjoyed this it, uh
3: like, like i said it just what made it for me was just like johnny not backing down once dexter came up like that that was like chef's kiss for that it was it was very good um what came later i was less of <laughs> but uh this this part this part i liked
2: okay Uh, We go to a break, we come back, and it's dinner time with Zoe and EO. Zoe says they have two different backgrounds, and she's trying to learn Japanese, because, okay, they're trying to build a friendship, and EO cuts her off and says, we are not friends, I don't even like you. It's not about friends, it's about defending the tag titles, and then EO leaves. And Zoe just says, they have a lot of work to do, but they are making progress. This girl is dragging EO down. Neo mm-hmm. has never felt less important on the NXT roster than she does in this in this situation.
1: Yeah, you know, um, remember the fucking Drake Maverick Killian Dane segments? Yeah. These are worse. Yeah, these are far worse. Yes, it's amazing that
2: they're that much worse. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Also, to EO's to point, if it's about defending the uh, women's tag team titles, shouldn't they at some point fucking defend
2: them? Yeah, they might. Maybe. Well, who are they going to defend yeah. them against, really? I mean...
1: Throw two women together. Who cares? They can defend yeah. it. Wait, wait, wait. They can defend them against Candice and... Oh, wait.
2: No. no, we have such a lack of women's tag teams that we're having mixed tag matches. Speaking of which, we go back to the ring, and Frankie Monet is out with uh, Fluxstone and Jesse Kamea. Um, I didn't know Robert Stone's hair was that long.
1: That it's not. There's no fucking way because it wasn't last week. Yeah, that's an extent. Well, when right? I think
2: about it, mm-hmm. we only ever see him with his hair slicked back from the front. Really, we don't see him in the the back of his. But we, he's been out at ringside and stuff, and I've never noticed it. So I it it, 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 it has to be a fake. Yeah,
1: it, it to me it seems like a fake. I think so. <laughs>
2: but and then he's wrestling in pajamas, which was <laughs> <next> <laughs> touch too. I like that. Also, what. <sighs> Is this a thing now? Are we doing intergender matches
1: regularly on NXT uh, or mixed tag matches we'll, as we'll, it were? We'll
2: talk about that at the end. Uh, right. India and Dexter arrive, and Indy is sort of mimicking Dexter's entrance. Um, as they get into the ring, while they're slow walking around the ring, she just sort of bumps into him because like staring out into nothingness, which was great. Uh, at a certain point, Beth and Indy share a, a look. Uh, Stone is wrestling in pajamas, like I said. Uh, We start with a happy birthday chant for Indy, uh, followed by a you look stupid chant directed at Robert Stone. Uh, He then tries to get away from Dexter, but Frankie's just like, fuck that, and throws him back in the ring. Uh, Stone wants to tag out, but Jesse won't tag him and starts to fire him up. So he runs right at Dexter and eats a right hand. Uh, Indy and Dexter both attack their opponents in sync with matching offense. Uh, Frankie at one point grabs Dexter's leg and gets pulled into the ring. And Jessica Carr finally throws Frankie out as we go to break. Uh, we come back from break and Jesse is going for a springboard splash, but Indy moves and Jesse tags in. So, uh, tags in stone. So at this point, Loomis comes in, uh, Loomis, I'm sorry, Loomis beats on stone and stone begs off and Dexter extends his hand. Uh, stone takes his hand and gets pulled immediately into a spine buster. I like that spot. Um, Indy tags in and her and Jesse do some rope switches before Indy hits a really nice looking sky high for two as Stone breaks it up. Uh, Jesse applies a crab and Dexter and Indy lock eyes and Indy crawls to the rope right in front of Dexter and grabs the rope but doesn't just make a tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Uh, Jesse <laughs> kicks Dexter off the apron and stone because and Stone goes to for the uh tope. But he goes to the tope with Dexter nowhere near him and just completely eats the floor. Uh, which was a good comedy spot. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesse form forearms Dexter because intergender is a one way street in WWE. But Indy grabs Jesse, throws her into the boards, and then throws her into the ring, hits a Uranagi and into the silence for the win. And that is Indy executing the silence for the win. Uh, Indy look, uh, we'll talk about what happens after the match afterwards. But, uh, John, what do you think of the match?
3: I hated this match. Okay. Uh, I, like, part of it is I just don't, like, the the structure of, like, mixed tag matches in WWE doesn't, it doesn't terribly appeal to me. I don't know how else you would do it because I haven't really watched a lot of mixed tag type stuff. So I don't know if there is a way to present it that is, like. Better, but like the flow of the matches has never really appealed to me, okay. and I didn't like the the spot that I liked was the Robert Stone completely uh, uh, whiffing on the uh, on the over the rope thing, like that that I enjoyed. But other than that, it was just it like mixed tag matches always feel a little disjointed, and like like you said, like the the bits where, like, you know, they let the women hit the men, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, none of
2: it really works okay. for me. But. Right, Sal, your thoughts?
1: So, um, I'm with John, that that uh, missed Tope's uh, spot was hilarious, because he wasn't even close. <laughs> it
3: was really
0: good.
1: <laughs> um, I need to see more, um, Jesse Kamea, uh, getting on with, um, indy hartwell and that has nothing to do with wrestling and also uh <laughs> uh the the match was fine and then dexter did the silencer on the outside as indy was doing it on the inside of the ring because they're in
2: sync right well i mean uh, to be fair that was the whole thing was Gargano says you have to see if you're in sync in the ring so they were so it was yeah sure one
1: match against fucking kamea and robert e fuckstone that's
2: what other next in- tag are they gonna have anyway
1: scarlet and fucking cross (laughs)
2: oh we'll talk about that in a minute uh so we go back uh and indy's continuing to look at beth they go outside Indy talks to beth they sort of exchange a handshake and a hug uh we get up into the ring indy gets up into the ring and drops to one knee pulls out a ring and we are led to believe she proposes to dexter with an eyeball ring and he nods yes So this is just crazy rushed now, right? Mm. Like, we, we, we're we not even trying to, like, have a long-term story here. Like, they went on their first date last week, now we're planning a wedding.
1: I was going to say, we're going to get a wedding segment in a couple weeks on NXT. Oh,
2: sure. And that'll probably be funny, because Johnny and Candace will be good at it. But maybe it'll be the return of Austin Theory to object to the wedding, because he actually Oh,
1: loves ew. Ew they're like brother and sister not
2: really brother and <laughs> sister
1: not. yeah but what did Johnny and is going to say about that uh-huh. not under my roof right?
2: Anyway. but uh so are you intrigued at all about the wedding possibilities with Indy and uh, Dexter here
1: I, no. uh, <laughs> I hate myself but I'm always a fan of bad wrestling weddings okay. just for comedy the, the the only positive
3: is if this somehow gets fucked up, then Dexter Quantum leaps to the main roster. Then then I'm okay. With I, I, it. It I think is... that's why they're rushing it. If
2: they do the wedding, I want the Stephanie and Test song now. The, <laughs> the, the Macho Man Elizabeth slash Stephanie Test song. It's like together that one. Yeah, no, we gotta have that. It's not a WWE wedding without that song. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, so. We go to the back and we see Cross is arriving at the arena. Thanks for showing up to work on time, fucko. Uh, we go to break again. We come back from break. It's dinner time with Roddy. She starts to ask his thoughts on losing, and Bivin says, hey, hey, you don't talk to him, you talk to me. Good. They finally get how this should work. I was just going
1: to say, <laughs> <laughs> finally, it's about time he established that. They
2: finally figured that out. It says Ilya's a heavyweight, and not a cruiserweight, so the match didn't count in his mind, and that Roddy still has a guaranteed cruiserweight title shot. Um, does rehab Roddy at all for you guys, or a little bit? No.
1: Not a little really. bit for me because it it gave him an out. Like hey 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 hey, hey. supposed to be a cruiserweight. Does
2: man, Ilya right? strike you as a heavyweight though? They, no, heel looks smaller than <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. That was thicker though. But then again, Bivens is the heel manager. He's supposed to lie.
1: Right. He's supposed to lie. Yeah. So, I suppose. I thought Bivens did a good job of of recovery here. <laughs>
2: yeah, but Bivens shouldn't have been put in a spot to try to explain that. But whatever. So sure. uh, we go back to commentary, and Wade says that on Indy's birthday, Dexter didn't get her anything and made her buy him a ring. So he's the worst boyfriend ever. He's not yeah, wrong. <laughs> he's not. That was. But that was definitely one of my favorite lines in this week's episode. Uh, we go to a split-screen interview with Raquel and Dakota, and damn, Dakota's new look is pretty fucking good.
3: I mean, Dakota... I, I'm generally a fan of Dakota's looks, but... Yeah. Same. Although she was rocking mom hair for, for a couple of months. For
1: but... a little bit.
2: Yeah. yeah, but this was like... She had, she had a little fucking glam session there. She looked, uh, she looked fucking good. Very, mm-hmm. uh, very different from the past. But in any event, not that she didn't look good before, but she just looked fantastic in this. I thought the hair was on point, the makeup was done well. She just continues to impress. Yeah, the, the longer she's a heel, the hotter she gets. That's typically the ratio, right? That's how it works cool. in wrestling.
3: I mean, that that's when the tit window was introduced. Yeah, so. That's
2: just a fair point. Uh, anyway, there's really not a whole lot to this interview. It's basic storytelling stuff. Uh, Dakota says she made Raquel a somebody, and she's the somebody that Dakota will beat to win the title. Um, Raquel asks if Dakota's going to find the next Raquel to help her win. Uh, then Raquel says, I'll see you at TakeOver, sidekick. And uh, Ra- and Dakota's like, oh, we went there, and that was pretty much it. Nothing really special here. I thought it was decent promo, but if I wasn't interested in the match already, I wouldn't be after this.
1: No. I, f- uh, I feel like the
3: split-screen thing makes it harder to connect with these sort of promo battles. Yeah, no, that's fair because like, they're not necessarily feeding as much off of each other it's
1: like yeah the split the split screens thing to me in wrestling feels like their answer to when they do it on sports talk shows. you know yeah like and, and, and it's better well, on sports talk shows. So you
2: know? I wish they had sort of a, sort of made told the whole story because to me it makes sense because last time we saw Dakota, Raquel was trying to tear her head off and Dakota was running away from her. So the story's there that Dakota didn't refuse to be in the same room with Raquel prior to take over. All they had to do was tell that story, and that's why we're doing this. And it, and I think a lot of that goes away. But
1: yeah, That is fair.
2: But they didn't do any of that. Anyway, uh, Carmelo Hayes is out to the ring, the ring next, uh, followed by Duke Hudson. Uh, we get a very even start between the two. Uh, Carmelo hits his springboard clothesline, gets a two. Hudson lifts Hayes up, throws him over the top rope to the floor. That was fucking, like, that, I was worried that uh, Carmelo was hurt on that one.
1: Sure. Um, off of the springboard clothesline, though, did, did Duke lose his way a little bit? Because instead of going off the ropes, he kind of just stood there and then, like, turned into the clothesline.
2: He may have, I'm not sure. Um, I, I didn't notice anything that looked super off to me, but it's possible if I went back and watched it, I would notice that. Um. Anyway, Hudson, uh, after that, we go to break. We come back from break, and Hudson lifts Hayes up to power bomb him. Um, I'm sorry, power slam position, and then instead just kicks him in the fucking head. I actually like that spot. It's the second time he's seen him do it. I I, I really enjoy that. Uh, it's, it's, good. it's something different that I don't see very often. Uh, Hayes staggers to the corner. Duke charges him with a clothesline and then hits a huge belly-to-belly throw. Uh, Hayes hits a springboard DDT on the apron, and Hudson takes a really bad bump here. Um, looks like he hits right on his his sternum, right on the corner of the apron, his feet got caught. It it looked pretty bad. And then they replayed it. Yeah, several <laughs> times.
1: Yeah, uh, look, the uh, equal opportunity. We we gave a bunch of shit to that spot in on dark from a few weeks ago. Yep. Um This was basically the same thing. <laughs> and uh... I don't think it was Carmelo's fault, but Duke Duke hit awkwardly and I, bad
2: i think like you said the corner of that duke's i think duke went to face bump and his feet didn't quite come out from under him it looked like almost yeah like he couldn't get his feet to come come out and, and lay out for the bump or he's trying to be too protective of himself i'm not sure um where are we go uh, hayes goes to the top rope hudson goes to i'm oh, sorry hold on a second i missed that uh Hayes hits the spin okay and then uh Hayes hits the tilt a whirl face plant. I love Carmelo Hayes' Tilted World face plant thing that he does. It's it's really just fucking awesome to watch the way he flies around on that. Uh Agreed. Hayes what's that? Agreed. Yes. Uh Hayes goes to the top. Hudson goes to slam him off the top rope a la Ric Flair in every match in the nineties. Um <laughs> But Hayes turns it into an inside cradle for two, and I don't remember ever seeing anybody reverse it into an inside cradle. It was actually a pretty fucking cool spot. I like
1: that. I was say not like that. No,
2: I I, I dug that. Uh, Hayes then hits a pump kick and a lung blower, goes to the top rope and hits the leg drop to the back of the head to win and move to the finals. That seemed quick. I thought we were gonna get like sort of a, a an epic back and forth between these two. This was. I don't want to say squash, but it was very lopsided in favor of Carmelo here.
3: I feel like this tournament has been skewing in that direction. I feel like most of the matches have been less competitive than I would have expected. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I I did like the match,
1: though.
2: Yeah, I thought the match was good. Um, There was a spot, and I didn't mention it, where Hudson stuck his head in between the ropes with coming back in the ring, and Hayes hit him with a scissor kick to the back of the head. Um...
1: Oh, the scissor kick was nice.
2: He might have got got taken a bad shot on that because he looked a little uh, out of it after that. Maybe. So I don't know. I don't know if that impacted that that DDT on the apron or what. But, um, but yeah, uh, Sal, thoughts on the match? Or?
1: Um, I, I think it it's definitely done by design that all of these uh, tournament matches have been less than six minutes. Maybe they don't trust them out there. For ten to twelve minutes on TV,
2: okay,
1: I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Fair enough. Um, but that being said, this this match, I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought that was a bad bump on the yeah. apron, but yeah. um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so biased. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 the truth. But I watch Carmelo Hayes and I see the way he moves around the ring, and I'm just like, he's a star. Right. This kid is a fucking star. Yeah. Yep. I'll admit to being biased, but it, it just it sticks out to me. And somebody who watches this shit on TV all the time, like, well, I mean, to stick out.
2: Sal, did, do you remember our year-end predictions? Oh, yeah, we've
1: been talking about Christian for a long time. You and Adam both it was, talking about who was for my long prediction
2: time. for next big thing.
1: It, it was Christian Gasanova.
2: before he was even signed, right? That's right. Exactly. So I've been on I've been on the Christian slash Carmelo train for quite a while. Um, I, I've told the story before. It's like. There have been a few people, and ironically, two of the most recent ones were on this episode of NXT, and Josh Briggs and Carmelo Hayes, that the first time I saw them in training, I said, these kids are money. This kid is money. He's, if he can work, the look, the charisma, the, like, he's he's got dollar signs all over him. And it was those yeah. two guys, and they were both on NXT this week. So I, my talent evaluation skills at least are not completely fucked. So. I was going to say, at least locally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Anyway, we go to Samantha Irvine, the same who from last week, uh, at the top of the stage with Carmelo Hayes. Uh, He says two weeks ago he called his shot that he would make it to the finals, says that just like in video games, you have to face the final boss, but the plot twist here is that he is the final boss. Uh, This brings Odyssey Jones out, who says that when he wins, the whole NXT universe will sound the alarm. The finals will be next week on NXT, so the finals not going to take place at Takeover. They will be next week on NXT. I have a feeling that I know who Sal and I are both thinking are going to win. John, who do you got in this in this finals?
3: I have no idea. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know.
2: Uh, the one thing that way to go on a limb there, John. Thanks. <laughs> I don't
3: know that much about these these guys, and I tend to uh, I tend to connect more with characters, and they're they're kind of raw products at this point. So I'm like I I I have no fucking clue. Okay. Like the the way I the way I watch tends to be a lot more sort of like filtering things through like this is the story and this is this other thing and okay. this these tournaments are kind of like outside of that. Okay.
1: See, I'm glad you mentioned that though, because the one thing he said during this promo was, um, I you know, the pat I've beaten everybody I've beaten in this tournament has been bigger than me. Right? And it's true. Briggs and then Duke, and now he's going against um uh, Odyssey Jones. And I'm like, there is a story to be told here for a babyface that can overcome those three men in one tournament. Okay. So I, that's where I think they're going with us.
2: Yeah, makes sense. All right, we're going to get a prepackaged promo for JC Jane, who we saw uh, come out with Gigi Dolan last week. Nothing special, just, hey, I'm I'm going to kick everyone's ass because, you know, that's generic intro promo number 10. Um, she's hot.
3: I legitimately don't remember this happening.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, she is hot. There, there, she's got that going for her, so we'll see. Uh, her, Gigi, and Mandy would make quite a stable. We haven't really seen Mandy since, like, several weeks now. Holy shit, once, it could be the beautiful was, people in like 2021. On the the, the, right? the rosebush.
1: <clears throat> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, the idea of of three gorgeous heels in a, in a women's faction, I'm digging yeah. that.
2: Could be. So, we get back to the ring and MS, oh sorry, in the backstage area, MSK is getting ready, they grab their belts, they head out, we go to break, we come back from break, we see Grimes and DiBiase in medical. DiBiase says maybe they bit off a bit more than they can chew and he's very sorry. Uh, Grimes said he got himself into it he says Ted gave him a chance and he kept dropping the ball he's not a butler, he's a champion and after TakeOver 36 they will be the million dollar champions going to the moon and DBS, it was a
3: fiery to the moon
2: and DBS he seems to like that idea so uh anything here guys he says, "There's my Cameron. Yes. Like it's his own son." Uh, Remember
1: a few months ago when you were so convinced that Davyasi Jr. was coming back?
2: Eh. Yeah, that's all
1: right. Um, I meant
2: David Boy Smith Jr. Uh,
1: <laughs> he's back. I, I give Grimes all the credit in the world. He needs to deliver, or this is really bad for Grimes.
2: I have an interesting theory. We'll talk about it in okay. predictions, but I have an interesting theory okay. for this match. Okay. Um, so we go back out to the arena, and MSK is out first. A little bit interesting. The champs are out first. Imperium comes out second. Uh, and we get the championship intros, and we go to the match. MSK controls the early part, uh, complete with Nash doing a Bronco buster on Eichner. Uh, Bartel charges and gets double-backdropped, sends Bartel to the floor, where it looked like he hit his head as he... Followed through. It looked like he hit his head all the way out on the floor, which is, but he apparently was okay because moments later there was a double top rope suicida by MSK, but they both get caught and slammed to the floor. Although I forget which one it was, but one of them took a lot longer to finish the slam to the floor. Like he didn't quite catch him all the way, had to reset. Uh, But they pulled it off as we go to break. We come back and Bartel gets Lee in an ankle lock. The reverse. Okay, so this is a nice one. Bartell has the ankle lock on Wesley. Wesley does that thing where he rolls through and sends Bartell into the corner. Uh, Lee then, so he t- he sends him into Carter, which breaks the hold. Then as he comes back out, Lee goes for the Rana, but Bartell stops it and then reapplies the ankle lock out of the Rana. Yep. Really cool um, sort of sequence there. I haven't, something I haven't seen done before. I like that. It was, it was nicely done. Uh, inside we get the double inside out drop kick by imperium on lee for two Uh, lee is crawling to his corner this brings walter to the ring and imperium almost stopped the hot tag but carter gets it and cleans house Uh, msk hits the hot fire flame for two because it's the best move they do why not make it a setup hold Uh, walter gets walter gets in to distract imperium um as they go for the uni- the, uni- the european bomb uh but Ilya runs out and brawls with walter distracting imperium carter kicks bartel off the top lee hits the rana on eichner and then msk hit and transmission for the win and still nxt tag team champions msk uh we'll talk about post-match in a minute what do you guys think of the match i liked
1: it uh,
3: I was gonna say I like the match. I thought Imperium looked fucking dumb for as long as they stared at Ilya and Walter fighting. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess that's standard,
1: like distraction finish stuff.
3: At least, so, at least I, they I weren't
2: distracted for make... forty seconds. You know, there was that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I I, uh, I didn't really have a problem with that just because, uh, you know.
2: He watches AEW. He the referee distractions are. He doesn't give a shit about that.
1: Well, they they're. they're they're always going to be there to protect Walter. So yeah. Ilya coming out and attacking Walter, of course the concern is right. going to be there. So I, I had no problem with that. Yeah. Um, however, during the match, I think it was Wade who said that um, Walter made it very clear that if Imperium loses, or, or if Marcel, Martel, and no, Bartel and Eichner, if they lose, there will be consequences. Mm. So I'm interested if there are. I'm interested if Walter does anything or he mentions well, in a takeover or something like that
2: well it's interesting you say that because after the match walter basically kicks the shit out of msk all by himself uh Ilya tries to get to walter but the number game eventually gets to him as imperium and walter just beat the shit out of Ilya and then stand over him so they look like they were on the same page as they went to break here yeah so we'll see how that holds up long term Uh, We come back from break. We get a Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland promo. Basically, Holland accepts Thatcher's challenge. Nothing too special here. Um, Continue to be not impressed with Dunn's promos, but better than they have been in the past. Still not quite top guy level yet, but he's getting there. He's getting better. Uh, We get a quick rundown of the takeover card, and then Samoa Joe makes his way out. Uh, Joe basically says he's not here to hurt Cross's feelings. He's here to hurt Cross uh says calls him out and cross makes his way to the ring says it's not about them it's about the future of the brand uh this is where we get a loud where is scarlet chant which again doesn't make any sense there was no storyline reason for her to leave she just just sort of fucking disappeared don't understand that but in any event cross calls out nxt security who walk who walk out and get between him and joe Cross then walks right past them and gets in the ring (laughs) without security, who's still standing on the floor. And Cross and Joe start fighting, so security was just only there so Joe had someone to kick the shit out of later. Uh, And to that point, Joe does a tope suicida onto the security guards uh, and then beats on Cross. They pull him off of Cross, then Cross takes advantage of that uh, to beat on Joe a little bit. A bunch of the locker room guys come out. And Joe drives through the barricade and cross, except Carmelo Hayes got caught in the middle as the two guys went through the barricade. And he either did a great job of selling or Hayes was legit hurt because that was a rough bump. And I really, really hope they didn't book Carmelo Hayes. When you had drake maverick standing right the fuck there i hope they didn't book carmelo hayes who's in the finals of the breakout tournament next week into an injury that didn't need to happen
1: i would like to think wrong place wrong time but also i don't think he's i don't think he's hurt i think okay. he's all right but we'll hopefully you know we'll see um yeah look i, I i've sat here for for weeks on the, on, my other show calling out the aew referees and how useless they are is there anybody more useless than nxt security no <laughs> <laughs> like, what the
2: fuck they even didn't even try to stop him. no no well, just walked right around him and in the ring made no point uh john that
1: being said i am, I am excited for joe versus cross so.
3: yes
2: and we will talk about that in predictions john your take on this segment
3: um, once, once the carnage started, I was, I was into it. And I was like when Joe talks, but like cross coming out being like, I, I brought these for your protection, not mine. When he's supposed to be like the big monster guy, I'm like, eh. and that, that didn't do much for me, but then they started fighting and I was back on board.
2: Okay. All right. So that, maybe it's just
3: cause I don't like cross though.
2: It could be. <laughs> so that does it for this edition of NXT. But we are not done with this edition of NXT Rundown because if you go to rundownwrestling.com, and I'm asking you two gentlemen to pull that up on your computer screens, minimize the porn, so. and pull up the screen for <laughs> NXT 36 Takeover Picks. Enter your name in the name field, and we will talk about Takeover 36. Uh, let me put my name in here if I can remember how to spell it. There we go. Okay. That's cool. not what I wanted to do. And there we go. Okay, let's start with the NXT United Kingdom Championship and the defending champion Walter taking on Ilya Dragunov. Sal, you've covered more NXT UK than anybody else on this show tonight. Uh, where do you think this one goes?
1: I think it's Ilya. Okay. I think there's nothing left for Walter to do in NXT UK. I think they must have worked out a deal with him, or even if part time, he or if they go to a taping schedule. Uh, he either flies to Orlando or, or works in Orlando for, for a short period of time, and I think he's coming to NXT.
2: Okay. John, your thoughts? Uh,
3: I'm picking Ilya. I, uh, I'm i not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about like <laughs> this particular feud because I don't watch NXT UK, so like the bits I catch are just the bits that bleed on here, but um, I'm mostly picking this one based on the fact that I don't like it's what I want to see happen. When I don't know, I pick what I want to, want to see happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh that leads us to oh my predictions. On I'm going to go with Ilya Dragunov as well. Um I also think that the fact that like, I think the south point we're going to see Walter do some more work in regular NXT at this point. Um I also think that perhaps we were a little judgmental and the Ilya Dragunov victory over Pete Dunne or sorry, the Pete Dunne victory over Ilya Dragunov sets up Dunne for a title match immediately after Ilya wins it, because he now has a claim to having beaten the champion. So, sure, um, I'm gonna go with that. Uh, NXT Championship, Carry and Cross. What the fuck kind of order did he put these in? Uh, NXT Championship, <laughs> Carry Cross takes on Samoa Joe. Uh, I am gonna go with Samoa Joe here. I think Cross is gonna transition full time to Raw, uh, and Joe will stay here. And hopefully, Joe will be pushing a program with adam cole I, everyone thinks adam cole's going up to the main roster i think adam cole's going to be a staple here in nxt and i think this is uh the next program i think they already sort of planted some seeds for joe and cole and i think that would be i that's a match that i would be full erect for uh and a promo leading into it that i would absolutely want to see uh john who do you got here
3: uh, I also have Joe and uh, would very much be down for, a, for an Adam Cole feud post this because then I could be excited about both people in the feud.
2: There you go. Uh, Sal, what you got?
1: I'm going with Joe. Uh, you're bringing Cross to Raw. He's doing more things over on Raw. It just makes sense at this point.
2: By the way, you were you were one of the people who was a little upset with the way they booked Jeff Hardy to beat Cross. Do you feel better that Cross dominated him in 15 seconds on Monday night? You motherfucker!
1: I was one of the people on this very show when you weren't
2: around. (laughs) I know, I'm just kidding. I thought it was Ginger. Uh,
1: (laughs) Trying to calm down Ginger and John being like, it's okay that John already beat him. John was happy because he hates Cross. (laughs) John hates
3: Cross. (laughs) But but Ginger
1: was pissed off and I was like, I don't know. Let's see where the story goes. He goes, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where the story goes. I I think my...
3: exact words were i can't i find it hard to divorce myself from how little i like cross to even be able to sort of evaluate it from a story perspective i can't wait i just thought it was hilarious i
2: can't wait till john has to discuss the killer cross carrying cross versus dominic mysterio program at some point uh nxt women's championship raquel gonzalez versus dakota kai uh who went last john you're up first here what do you what do you got
3: i'm picking dakota kai because i don't see where Raquel goes if she holds it. Like, what, what is her program after that? Okay. Like, I feel like there's more fresh feuds for Dakota. All right. And I like Dakota.
1: Okay. Sal? Going with Dakota, and strangely enough, it's the same as my other two matches, uh, because I think the other person is moving up to a different roster
2: okay so i've gone back and forth on this now it's interesting that you said you guys both said sort of the same thing and that you speculated raquel's got nothing left to do in nxt and she'll go up to the main roster Dakota's the one that's been getting the dark matches that is true so it could be dakota sort of finishing this storyline putting raquel over and then heading to the main roster so Then, if I'm trying to figure out the winner here, I'm looking at who else do we have in the division. you got Ember Move. Raquel's already beaten her. Uh, Who do you got? You got Frankie Monet. Eh, I haven't seen enough yet. to. I I loved her as Taya, but I haven't seen enough as this character to make me think she's a top contender. Uh, Who else do we have? Io Shirai still, but she's already done the program with Raquel. She's done a program with Dakota. Zoe? Ugh. I I don't know, this women's division took a real hit when they lost Tony Storm, because I think Tony would have been a great first, uh, great program here you could have gone to at some point, I know she already had a little thing with Raquel, but a long, drawn-out program would have been fantastic Uh, I'm going to go with Dakota, because that was my initial feeling, but I've definitely wavered on it a little bit, so we'll see. Uh, Next up, million-dollar championship, of course, if Grimes loses, DiBiase becomes Knight's Butler. Troy has a different thing here. Um, <laughs> L.A. Knight is the champion. Cameron Grimes is the challenger. Sal, who do you got here?
1: Uh, I don't like it, but I, I pick Cameron Grimes. And I don't like it because he just doesn't fit the million-dollar title, but it, it, it is what's going to happen. Okay, John, who do you got?
3: I feel like Grimes needs the win. And also, uh, just wanted to point out that uh, Troy didn't close the parenthetical
2: on that either. Yes, very good point. Um, All right, so, in in prediction wise, I'm going to go with Cameron Grimes, okay? Here's what I think would be the better way to do this you have this match, right? And then you get down to the end, and Grimes is about to win, and then. Grimes lays down, and Knight pins him, and we find out Knight and Grimes have been in it all along together, as Grimes' ultimate revenge on DiBiase for being such a dick to him earlier on, and then they're a tag team. And, <laughs> and then you make DiBiase be the butler, and the whole thing—it would get us. It closes the circle of Grimes. Of DiBiase being such a dick to Grimes for so long, and Grimes hating DiBiase, and,
3: and it gets us heal Cameron Grimes again, which right. is uh, the
1: better Cameron Grimes,
2: right? And it gives us another tag team which we are lacking in NXT too.
1: <sighs> it, it completely undoes everything you just did with LA Knight though for the past two
2: months. No, it doesn't, because now he's a mastermind to put this whole thing together. No,
1: he's a lackey. It's Grimes who put this together. If you go all the well, way back, they were, to when in, he was they were in it together. Uh, sounds like the men of the year.
2: <laughs> no, no, they're actually on TV. Oh, who are the men of the year? Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, uh, Scorpio Sky, I Need the Page over. Oh, year. that's right. They did call them that. What the? F- yes. All
3: right, d- d- we don't need to get real. Right.
2: No, <laughs> we'll, no, we'll no, see. No. But I think that's. I think that's a much better way to do this. If you wanted, if you want to make it a little deeper than surface, because. As it as it is now, like, DiBiase was a complete dick to Grimes, and he's, like, spend, bending over backwards to defend the honor of DiBiase, who was a, just an absolute prick to him. Also, to, to, I think that was John's point, Cameron Grimes carrying around a million-dollar title is, like, a little weird. I don't know. Well, that's
1: what I said. Yeah. John I, said he makes a better heel. Now, Grimes carrying it around as a heel would work better.
2: But how do you get um, there? I <laughs> Uh-huh. See my answer. And, my answer gets some heel at least.
1: <laughs> He's true. just so
3: much more entertaining. Than and then
2: him. and then they have another. And then Grimes with his money gets another million dollar belt made, and they're both the million dollar champions together as a team. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: that? mean, it's definitely creative. Well,
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, so we've got a two out of three falls match. He's got them all broken down individually, so. Match number one is a traditional wrestling match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. I'm going to go first on this one. The first time they did a traditional wrestling match, Adam Cole was your winner. So I am going to say it's Kyle O'Reilly. That's just my pick. Uh, John, how do you got this one going?
3: Uh, Honestly, because of how you argued those two falls last week, I'm, I'm with you on the first two picks. Remains to be seen on the third, but we'll
1: right. we'll be picking
3: the same on the first
2: two. Alright. Sal? Same thing. Alright.
1: It, it makes sense. Kyle now wins a traditional wrestling match because Adam Cole won a traditional wrestling match. So
2: Right. Alright, so then I assume we're all taking Adam Cole for the Cole street in fight. The second, fight. Fall. In the second yeah. fall. Okay, so now it gets interesting when we get to the third fall inside of a steel care cage. Uh, Actually, three options here. Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, or the match will not be needed because it will be over in two straight. I think we've all already agreed that we think it's going to go to the third fall. So, Sal, how do you see that third fall playing out?
1: I think Cole's going to put Kyle over. Okay. And I think
2: Kyle wins the match. Okay. All right. John?
3: Sadly I agree with that. I would prefer okay. Cole to win, but I feel like they're still trying to make Kyle O'Reilly a thing.
2: Okay. I think same thing. I think Kyle O'Reilly wins, and I think it's the right call to be completely honest. Adam Cole doesn't need to win this feud. Kyle O'Reilly does. Um and I think Adam Cole desperately wants to help his his friend get over to that next level, and I think Being the winner of this feud helps Kyle a lot, and I don't think it does much of anything for Adam Cole. Uh, So for that reason, I am going to go with Mm -hmm. Kyle O'Reilly, which is the last pick. So if you would click Submit on your buttons, we are now officially all locked in. And if you are just visiting rundownwrestling.com, you'll notice you also have predictions for SummerSlam. Go in there, fill those out. Let us know what you think is going to happen at the biggest event of the summer. Uh, We talked a little bit about it earlier on, so a lot of stuff going on there you definitely want to discuss. Um, So all things considered, big weekend coming up, boys. We've got SummerSlam. We've got TakeOver. We have uh, the first dance on Friday night. We've got a go-home SmackDown. It's going to be a big, big weekend for professional wrestling. Uh, Let's just, on the the scale of predictions, John, when we uh, sit down for WWE Rundown on Tuesday night... What do you think the most impactful thing we saw this weekend is going to be?
3: Hmm. I don't think it's going to be on AEW show. Okay. Um, I'll say that right now. Also, I have an issue with the second show being the first dance, but
2: I, I, it's a throw. It's a throwback to it's a reference to the Michael Jordan documentary that ESPN did. The last dance. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Um. It, if. If Cena gets squashed by Roman, and I, I think that would be the most most impactful thing, and I think that is a distinct possibility. Okay. But.
2: All right. Uh, what if he gets squashed in the match and then wins?
3: That would be even more so, actually. Okay. All
2: right. Uh, Sal, what do you think is the most impactful thing we're talking about after this? <clears throat> Depends on how you
1: define impactful, because I know that certain things are going to happen.
2: What's the biggest thing that's going to happen on Impact Wrestling this week, Sal? Jesus Christ. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> I know that certain things are going to happen this week, and they're going to piss a lot of people off. That I'm sure of, and that's in all three brands. Um, But what's the first thing that everybody's going to want to talk about on Monday or Tuesday? Probably going to be Punk.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to gonna take sides here with Sal. I think this is... Uh, and, and it sounds weird given how much I argued against Punk, but if, if you go back and listen in that argument, I said he's going to be a big boost for AEW. He's going to pop ratings, at least at the very beginning. He's going to put eyes on the product. I'm curious to see how the presentation is done, how it works. Knowing that they've tied this so much into the Jordan documentary, do you remember how Jordan returned to the NBA?
1: Uh, He just said he put out a press release saying like I'm back." That was it. So my
2: guess is the end of this show, punk's music hits, he walks out on the stage, says I'm back, and that's it. And we have to watch Dynamite to find out what he's gonna say. If
3: he walks out,
2: I feel I feel like people would shit on that. Oh yes, they would. Because it's AEW.
0: The, th- but, well, the thing
2: about AEW is that their fans and supporters will do ridiculous mental gymnastics to make everything that they did genius.
3: Okay, let, let me rephrase that. I would shit on that.
2: Okay, fair enough. Well, you would, let you're would. you pretty me... much going to shit on anything they do, let's be honest. <laughs> well, uh...
1: <laughs> let me take that one step further, though. I think a lot of AEW haters will shit on that Yes. immediately. Yep. But also, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, who's to say he's even there? What if the video just goes up on the tron? Could be.
2: Could be. Um, no, but I think if that's the case, you don't need to do it in Chicago. You know what I mean? True, I think the, true. the point of doing it in Chicago is the live reaction of him walking. But
1: one out. thing I, I want to mention, though, right, is, is taking a look at these TakeOver 36 predictions. I think TakeOver is going to be fun, right? Yeah. But we almost all pick the exact same predictions. Yeah. So nothing – Earth shattering is gonna happen right. and take over. Yeah. We're gonna have a great match with Cole and O'Reilly. We might even get a a, a good match with Joe and and, and Cross. Because yeah. Joe's still fucking really good, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Um then you move in you move backwards, you go to SummerSlam. Well, what's the most impactful thing that can happen at SummerSlam? Go literally anything that could happen would be bad. Like if they gave the belt to Goldberg, people would be Fucking pissed.
2: What's the first? Um, That that is
1: the.
2: What's the first program you want them to put CM Punk in? Kenny. You want him to go right to Kenny.
1: I don't think he. I don't think that's the first one they do though. Oh, obviously the first one's Darby, right?
2: Okay. For me, it's Colt Cabana.
1: If they would do that, I would love that. I. If you could really play off the real life shit on that, that would be great.
2: Yeah, that's the one I want to see. Also, they've, they've part of the reason they were friends for so long is because they had fantastic matches against each other for so long, so they can work each other like nobody's business. So That's true. Uh, all right, so guys, as we said, a lot of stuff going on this weekend. We'd love to hear from your opinions on all those things, so hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, call the uh, voicemail line, leave us a voicemail. You can find out how to do all of that at the end of this show. Uh, listen all the way through past the end theme song, and you will get all that info. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the NXT Rundown. We want to thank you guys. And uh, hopefully we have a lot of stuff to talk about come Tuesday night. And I have a feeling we will. So hopefully we get a, a good crowd here on the show. And we'll have a lot to talk about, both AEW and WWE. But until then, Sal, thank you. John, thank you for joining me, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, great to see you. Hopefully we'll get Ginger back soon. We're thinking about your bud. Hopefully everything's going better. And until we, uh, we meet again, we will NXT you next time. Peace. And yeah, bye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit RundownWrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash Rundown Wrestling. And you can also follow our host, Adam, on twitch.tv slash effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.
2: No, I said, are you ready?